0: Welcome to School of Movies. (laughs) Halloween. Halloween night.
1: A small American town. Fifteen years ago. Michael, Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back.
2: Uncharted
3: territory,
4: totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure.
1: The only reason she babysits is to have a little Halloween. The night he came home.
0: In this episode, we're mainly going to be focusing on the John Carpenter-directed 1978 original. Many of us have also watched other movies in this long-running franchise, but mainly to contrast with the original and thus lend us some perspective. With us on the show are Brendan Agnew. How's it going? Caro Nagisa. Hey there. And Debbie Morse. Hello. I'm going to start with my thoughts on the slasher subgenre that developed while we were watching this. Uh, Slasher fans who just want a bit of fun and don't want to get introspective may want to switch off. Because if I do my job right, by the time you get to the end of this essay, it'll kind of be like... Do you guys remember when I did The Phantom Menace? People people were writing (laughs) to me and saying... I can't watch that lightsaber fight anymore or I can, but all I can see is the ballet steps carefully choreographed and absolutely zero emotion or or any actual character engagement it's just a choreographed dance kind of like this is this is like a behind the puppet show scenario that I'm going to be discussing here so why well, I really don't want people to feel like they're being scolded and that I'm singling them out as fans of the slasher genre. So again, what I have to say, though, is kind of important. And we've spent years analysing movies here at School of Movies, and I'm fairly certain I understand structure, symbolism, and a hell of a lot of cultural heritage recurring throughout the history of storytelling. So most of you guys can trust that I, I know what I'm talking about. The other day I saw an article bemoaning horror films That boiled down to Why do you people watch these? Why would anybody want to be scared on purpose? This is not that article Fear is key to our development and the human condition. Facing and dealing with that fear, even if it is insurmountable, is monumentally important, and doing so in entertainment is part and parcel of that. Fear is one of our primary emotions, and almost every good story utilises fear to some degree, because how else do you introduce tension? And without tension, there's no story, there's just an event. Horror movies are a key aspect of cinema. Some of the most memorable of the earliest films focused on horror... Nosferatu, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, that one where the audience thought the train was going to run them over. The slasher subgenre has never appealed to me. I used to think I wasn't that into horror in general, but then I started to list my favourite horror movies and monster movies, and dozens were flowing forth without me even having to think too hard. Very few are slashers, though, and I think I figured out why whilst watching the 1981 Halloween. In that film, men and women are killed, but the men quickly, quietly, with very little struggle or blood, often off-camera. The women, however, are killed slowly and torturously, lingering on their fear, their running, their injury, their mutilation, their pain, their crawling, their psychological terror, their cries for help... They die in the most exotic and grisly ways in close-up detail. 20 It's the worst bit of it. And here's the customary cut to other characters wondering what's happening to the girl being killed so that you can feel like she's so close to being saved but not. Thus also prolonging the agonies to spin out the kill, which is one of the only ones in the movie. wondered why what does that particular recurring trope add to horror what's the appeal i get that the initial burst of these movies was a dark evolution of the moralistic approach to sex and drugs and alcohol It's randy's sin factor from scream i get that but why are they still being produced long after that point's been made And so the simplest answer is money, and this sort of movie is cheap to make and yields a relatively high audience attendance. But so are so many other kinds of horror movie. Are we, the viewer, meant to be seeing this from the point of view of the girls? Yes, I believe in the original Halloween 78. Michael is a stalking figure of fear. Laurie is relatable to us. Michael is shot extremely effectively, but no, in its sequel and in the wretched Rob Zombie remake, which dwells for excruciating time on Michael himself and his sadistic development. The girls in that remake barely register as human. This movie series hits home during the sudden swing in the early 80s to the celebrity killer, Leatherface, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger... They went away during the caring-sharing early 90s, after their many, many sequels got driven into the ground and they kind of became a self-parodying joke. And then the monster creature became the popular focus of horror for a few years, thanks to the popularity of Alien and Aliens, until the many scream killers of the late 90s resurgence brought the slasher back to the foreground, followed by a slew of inexpensive, joyless, and lucrative reboots of almost all of them. Some slashers are goofy and enjoyable with obnoxious teens just begging to be offed in amusing ways. But the Halloween films we've watched haven't contained any of that. Just mirthless, nasty, mutilation and murder. I never got this. When I was a teen I didn't get it, so this isn't me losing touch with a healthy adolescent fear of being stalked and killed, because I don't think most of these movies are in touch with that either. I see instead a familiar pattern emerging, a fascination with pain and murder not death, murder. There's a distinct difference. I want to say a cult of sadism, but it sounds alarmist and way too disapproving of horror fans, who are, by and large, kind of a nice bunch. But look at the fetishization of torture porn in the early 2000s, because slashers had taken things about as far as they could go, and now it's migrated to adults-only television. We get dense plots, textured characters, Exotic kills of the week, and not just in serial killer shows like Hannibal and True Detective, I mean Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, everything. Not only having to one better themselves each time, but competing with all the other shows peddling increasingly more meaningless debasement and death. Who's going to die next? Because it could be anybody, it actually doesn't matter. And it all escalated here with the 80s slasher. It's a formula to fulfil a basic need... I want to know, and I'm happy to be told, why is that need there? That particular need? In the meantime, the mass market for horror has strayed from slashers to jump-scare ghost stories and exorcism films. That will evolve again to another new norm when something cheap and successful comes along to be the new thing that gets copied to death. But all that aside, my question for slasher fans is simply this... Does it bother you that specifically women begging for their lives get butchered far worse than mostly wordless men almost every single time? And if it doesn't bother you, why not? That's not for you guys to answer to me. You you don't you have no reason to account to me. You got to ask that of yourselves. If what I've said just now seems spurious, do me a favour. Just the next slasher you watch, keep notes, time the kills, grade them on intensity out of 10, I guess. And make sure you count pleas for mercy and cries for help from women because you may find you've actually now Please. heard enough of those. To look at this in another way, softcore erotic thrillers are now mostly extinct. They were cheap to produce and occupied a place between the legitimate thriller and pornography. They fulfilled a niche which was wanting to see people have sex in a time when every single kind of porn was not available with a brief internet search. Aside from Fifty Shades of Grey, which has thus far failed to spawn cinematic imitators, despite the overflow of copycats in the smut literature, most people don't want to sit in a big, air-conditioned cinema designed for Avatar, watching terrible actors simulate sex and knowing that everyone around you is to some degree aroused. We find it awkward. And with the rise of accessible porn, the simulation seeded to the reality or at the very least, the pretense of plot went out the window. And sex is something that adults engage in constantly and legally. Why do we not bat an eye at the prospect of watching half a dozen more girls get stalked and massacred? Is it possible that, like the erotic feature, the slasher could be slowly drawn back to video, backed into a corner as it finds itself increasingly without an audience? If the price is easily searchable websites crammed with ad-supported snuff films then forget it, carry on watching Slashers. He was just the boy next door.
4: Hi, well, hello
1: there, Danny. I didn't know it was hockey season.
4: Hey, can I borrow a knife?
5: A deadly curse, a deranged killer, a
0: small town in tears. Knife After Dark. Yeah, I mean, like, you guys, that's an end of essay. Feel free to tell me if... uh if there's anything about the slasher film and the slasher genre that I am underestimating the importance of in cinema or uh, actually fulfills a need or, or, or has some sort of heritage going back far further than the sort of that the, you know, the, the earliest slashes that sort of started in like the, the B movie era.
6: Well, first of all, I want to say that I agree with uh, your point, particularly about how women are treated in these films But as far as heritage goes, uh, that's actually a bit fascinating, because the slasher film as we know it today basically comes from three distinct lines. Obviously, the Giallo films from Italy, you know, Bava and Fulci and uh, Argento and all them. That's the obvious one. We're going to just kind of push that to the side. However, the second line is the Renegade Cop movies of the 70s. Death Wish, and uh, Dirty Harry, and those types of movies. And you eventually see the evolution for those go in two directions, either slasher films or hard-body action films. Let's face it, what's the difference between John Rambo and Jason Voorhees other than somebody else draws first blood in First Blood? Not that much. They're basic, they're invincible creatures that run around getting revenge for whatever they happen
0: to be aggrieved about. but the last one uh, and this one, you think that there's no difference between Jason Voorhees and John Rambo? Not really. Once, when you
6: think about it, well, I, I, well, I, I feel really, really people sorry people for
0: John that. Rambo in, in the original First Blood, and I, I only feel passingly sorry for Jason Voorhees around about until the time he starts massacring girls. I mean, John Rambo doesn't really kill anyone in the original Rambo. Uh First Blood. Well in the second in the second one when he gets sent off to vietnam and he's used as a tool for america that becomes a completely different parallel jason's not being used
6: and i'll agree with you on that point but my point is that yes there are different circumstances but ultimately it's somebody who is running around killing people with improvised weaponry um in fairly gruesome ways people who don't know who they who this person is or why this person is there
0: most of the time, though, in, in the Rambo sequels, they're soldiers rather than screaming teenage girls. I mean, if Rambo ran around killing Afghanistan teenage girls who were like, no, Mr. Rambo, please. And he was like, no, I just got to do this thing. And just like started like smashing their heads into that. There is an enormous difference. It's oh, no, enormous. I,
6: mean, I, I will grant that. I'm, I'm not saying that they're not that they're exactly the same thing. And I apologize if I came off that way. No. there are
0: extremely the, superficial parallels in terms of uh, of man who knows nothing but killing doing exactly that. I mean, no. one, one's a zombie and the other's not.
5: Yeah.
6: <laughs> My argument means, is that they were would... coming from renegade cop films.
0: Uh,
5: okay. And I would I would actually add to that that if you look at uh, just. For example, once you get to the more extreme versions of, of John Rambo, like if you look at the the most recent Rambo film from, I think it was 2008. Oh, he's a monster. The,
0: We've totally reviewed and, that recently. Oh yeah, it's, not the, it's not the, out yet, but and he's a monster.
5: Of the 13th films, not yeah. only is he a monster, but both of those movies um, go to great lengths to show how disposable certain characters are. Mm. Like, you know, there's there's a lot about the slashers where it's like, here's the, the teens that... We're showing you are okay to die because they're jackasses or they're mean to their girlfriends or they're, you know, whatever. So here's the teens, you know, are going to die and you don't care about them. And in Rambo, it's like, oh, look at all these terrible soldiers doing these terrible, inhumane things so that when Rambo chops them into meat, you don't have to feel bad. about Totally. So I, I would say that that's a salient parallel.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. I think in terms of what Kara is saying there, would it be fair to say that what you're what you're getting at there is that if you strip away things like motivation and character um, and setting, the the need that those movies serve, if you like, is for the audience to vicariously see somebody that they perceive in some way as being uh, a threat or a um or somebody that they disapprove of Well no that, that that's where the difference
0: lies it's like this teenager is loud and obnoxious drinks alcohol and wants to have sex uh, versus Cambodian warlord mm. who who well, yeah. is a general genuine danger yeah. to hence, all of these innocent people. Yeah,
2: hence why basically I...
0: each of the Cambodian soldiers is their own mini Jason, mm. and and basically Rambo's the ultimate Jason, Jasoning the shit out of these Jasons.
2: Yeah, <laughs> 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 but, but that's that's why I added or um, they disapprove of the point being that that there's you you do away with any sense of um, of scale mm. or. Um, of degree, it's basically the, the, it comes down to an audience who wants to see people get hurt in an environment where they don't have to experience any sympathy for those Uh, people.
0: But this is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm saying, right, this is a movie subgenre predicated upon I don't like other teenagers, or indeed when you're older, I don't like teenagers. And specifically going in to see them get murdered, that's... Yeah. question that question yourself oh, I, yeah. is what i mean
6: oh absolutely I, I, i'm not justifying that i'm i'm simply trying to trace sort of the heritage of it here oh yeah um the third part is actually not so much the need for it for an audience but the need for it for the creators um, and this i learned from mm-hmm. the monster show by david j skull wonderful wonderful book about cultural history of horror movies um a lot of the people who made these were vietnam vets and the mm, horror mm. that they are putting on screen is the horror that they experienced, where you could die in grotesque ways, suddenly with no warning and no logic behind it.
0: There are definitely parallels that- in House and Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. Neither yeah. of them are really slashers, but that, they, they both got that kind of Vietnam hell parent yeah. you know, thing. But also keep in
6: there. mind that war movies were sort of on the on the downswing at this point because of Vietnam and when they came back they would come back as sort of these um deconstructions of war as opposed to any sort of i guess uh the best way to put it any sort of catharsis so a lot of Camp these people like to- was
0: my war
6: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but so a, a lot for a lot of these people, this was how they were working through their own experiences. said, mm-hmm. like oh, it's right. Not. For, I don't understand why the audience would go to that, but I understand mm-hmm. why the creators made them.
2: But if you so, if you take into account the fact that war movies would probably be significantly more expensive to make. Oh yeah. Um, And horror movies could be churned out quickly and cheaply and the producers didn't necessarily need to get particularly involved in them and and start saying to the creators, okay, this is having a lot of money put into it, you're going to do things our way. Mm. They had more of a free hand with it. Mm. So that does actually make sense that if the war movie became society's attempt to make sense of war, Mm. the horror movie... Or you know, horror movie, movies of this nature specifically okay. were the people who'd participated in the war trying to make sense of it and yeah. using the metaphors to do that. Because for them, as I suppose if you think about it, to to use a direct replica, that doesn't necessarily help them to process it. They can't <laughs> detach they can't detach and symbolise if they are li- literally recreating what they've been through and putting it out yeah. there for people to chew apart and dissect.
5: Uh well putting it in the form of like a, a more metaphorical uh context like horror, it allows them to go to some very dark places without running the risk of demonizing the soldiers that were swept up in the conflict and came out, you know, arguably more broken than well, well well definitely broken and, and in need of this sort
0: of thing okay hang hey and- can i just pause for a second was halloween 2 doing this cuz this is the kind of film i'm talking about <laughs> the good yeah, films right? like halloween 1 yeah but like i'm i'm talking about fucking moronic films that were just coming out oh. cuz like oh you kids like this don't you <laughs> i'm just, just like, talking about the early ones supply not- and coffee. demand supply yeah. and demand
2: but that's what jumps on the back of the when, when you have a source of something that is um, that that's you know there to serve a purpose, and really what it what should have happened is those people got that out of their system and experienced their catharsis, and maybe other people found ways to produce it in a way that would help them to process their own traumas mm. um, and I certainly think that when you look at some of the more um quality horror films that have come about in recent years, that's part of what's going on. In fact, I think that's how you can usually tell the difference between a really good horror mm-hmm. movie and a cheap, <laughs> shitty, churn-off-the-conveyor-belt horror movie.
0: You did say that if uh, a horror movie's got one creator, like a writer and director, then and they've actually got a story to tell, mm. that that's almost because certainly always worth watching.
2: Absolutely, because it's yeah. personal. Yeah. Because that is something that has, has formed in the crucible it's of, some, of, of yeah. a person's mind. Mm. And there's a huge difference between as you say, the nightmare of an individual who is uh, producing something to... Uh, to share with everybody else yeah. around the campfire,
0: as it were. And, and uh, we've got to do another Halloween 5. I'm the producer. Get us a director in here. Get us someone to write this. i got a weekend to get this done.
2: Absolutely. The only nightmare <laughs> yeah. those people are dealing with is this doesn't make its budget back. And, um, and that <laughs> is not really yeah. going to create <laughs> quality. And In horror. the
6: case
5: of
4: Mustafa
6: Khat, <laughs> he didn't even care about that. Uh, <laughs> he just wanted <laughs> to keep
5: making movies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is part of the problem with, with looking at Halloween 2 because Halloween 2 and most... Most of these slashers that followed Halloween mm. took exactly the wrong lessons from what Halloween was doing. And that's kind of where you get Randy's rules from Scream, which mm. aren't actually as concrete as Scream would like you to believe, mm. even
0: using the context of Scream itself. Well, basically,
3: it suggests that
0: Michael Myers and uh, Jason Voorhees have literally the same moral code. Which isn't necessarily true, because Michael Myers... It wasn't... I don't think it was ever really about sex for Michael Myers. Whereas... Um. According to Carpenter, it was about distraction. There you go. Whereas in... in Friday the Thirteenth, at least the original one, it was always about Mrs Voorhees had a major literal axe to grind with the camp counselors who were negligent yeah. having sex, and that was the where the sin factor Again, came.
2: Yeah, distraction, and I think just to to start talking about the original Halloween itself, I I've never been that bowled over by it this is and i i wasn't really when we watched it the other day it was only when i started watching <laughs> the subsequent films and realizing what a shit slide they descended down <laughs> if you've got
0: a girlfriend who doesn't like halloween 78 show sure, her halloween, halloween two.
2: 2007 and she'll go oh my god it's a classic you don't even oh, need to go no. on to the,
0: the the rob zombie one just no. stop Actually, there. yes
2: don't watch that one it's awful um but um but yeah the my my interpretation of uh the the Uh, creation, if you like, of Michael Myers this time, was that or him coming back and carrying out further kills was him trying to replicate the sense of peace, I suppose, that he got from taking out his frustration and anger and fear and anxiety about Judith leaving him and ignoring him and, you know, messing around with her boyfriend when she was supposed to be looking after him. And that, all of a sudden, even though none of that was really discussed in the film, I, I drew those lines and suddenly it made sense.
0: Whereas Dr. Lee, Dr. Loomis was just saying, now he's evil. He was like, oh, yeah. thanks, psychologist. No, I, was, I was not impressed with
2: Dr. <laughs> Loomis in the slightest. <laughs> Take away that man's medical licence. pure evil. <laughs>
0: Loomis You're is a evil. terrible
2: doctor. <laughs> he really is. He really is awful.
5: However, as, as bad a doctor as he is, the, the thing that I appreciate about Loomis is that he's he's sort of there to negate the need to... This, this is what Rob Zombie made the mistake of doing, is he tried to dig into everything that made Michael Myers tick, maybe make him sympathetic, but definitely try and explain Michael Myers. Mm. The reason Michael Myers works in Halloween 1 is that they very much don't bother to explain him. Maybe he is the literal boogeyman. Maybe he's crazy. Maybe he's supernatural, but he's a projective entity that we're supposed to see through his eyes at the beginning of the movie. Mm. He's kind of the the collective dark id of the audience, which is why that film starts with a first person POV tracking shot. And after that, He's. I mean, he doesn't even have necessarily a central morality. He targets Lori and her friends because they start yelling at him and attract his attention. And maybe he was going to target them before then, maybe not. But, you know, there's never a point where we're shown that he's after them because of sex or drugs. It's just he stops the car because her friend calls him a jerk or something. And then after that, he's following them.
4: Mm. But so
5: much of Michael Myers is, is he is an ultimate unknown and and that was the the entire point of the the series was to have each entry be self-contained and then you're left feeling unsettled and the thing feels kind of unresolved but mm. that that was the whole point of halloween as a franchise
0: so like a an anthology series yeah imagine if it had been like different films every time
2: by different yeah, high it, the- quality directors mm.
5: Yeah, well, no, maybe Wes Craven happen- could have done one, you know? Mm. The worst thing to happen to Halloween was Halloween 2 because that made people expect more Michael Myers. Yeah. Mm.
0: And, and the and second the- worst was Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, exactly.
2: But the, the beauty of that opening scene in the original Halloween is not only that you see things through Michael's eyes, but that you see them through his mask, that everything is narrowed down. You see it through those, um, those uh, eye holes. You have all the black around the screen, so you can't really see exactly what's going on and that gives you an idea not only of his perspective but the distortion that his perspective is seeing the world through and you know when when that is so completely done away with then you lose that element of then being able to uh, to project your own interpretations onto a blank screen and the the whole trying to explain and i n- i was going to say i never thought i'd say this but no i i do i said this about other films in the past but when you try to over explain it too much but you do no research as to how that explanation might actually work then what you do is you just end up creating these massive gaps in logic mm. that completely destroy any pretense of what you were trying to do in the first place.
0: When that explanation is deeply rooted in psychology.
2: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. because that's If is you are something.
0: unqualified to make those assessments. Yeah,
2: because that much though a lot of people would like to think not psychology in its ultimate form is a science, it's been researched. There are books you can read, Rob, that will tell you how things ought to turn out. And just, and if I thought Dr. Loomis in the first one was bad, by the way, I mean. You don't Malcolm like Malcolm McDowell's, McDowell. Uh, his, his performance, <laughs> a rock
6: star psychologist,
2: is is competent. I suppose I believe him as a professional actor, but I certainly don't believe him as a fucking psychologist. He because, was
0: the only thing about this movie that I was excited for before I saw it, and I'm yeah. like, no, I am no longer yeah. excited.
2: But the the um, uh, the apart from anything else, I was sat there thinking for for a lot of the that first period of the movie. What year is this set? He should know more than this. Shock therapy for what? He's not done anything since you brought him in!
0: The, uh, uh, Rob Zombie Halloween is set in 1978, and then two years later after the, uh, first kills, it's 1978, and then 15 years later, although it's also told, said as 17 years later, even though it's actually not, it's 15 years later, later on, it's still 1978. Because the music that plays is like, like it, it starts with, um. I've heard
6: The soundtrack on it, but that's because it's music that I like, not because mm.
0: I think that it fits the movie. And then, yeah, the, and now the, he's ruined Then it. when he comes back out, it's yeah. "Tom Sawyer" by, by Rush, and it's still 1978. A Monday Monday. So yeah. he's in a freaking time,
2: Hopping between 70s clothes and 80s clothes. And I thought I'd seen 1989 flash up on the screen at one point. No. Nah. But
6: I, I, I just thought. Maybe not. Maybe that's I just imagined be, that.
2: But um, One thing that. Uh, oh, sorry, go on. I, I was just going to say, just to change the subject rather radically um, and just briefly go back to Dr. Loomis in the first one. Um, did anybody else get the feeling that he was less a doctor and more of a priest? Yeah.
5: Oh, absolutely. It seems, yeah. it seems like he was a priest who became a doctor. Or something a, like that, yeah
2: he certainly seems to have a very um uh belief oriented view of Michael,
6: yeah, he is far more interested in the uh, it, in the manifestation of evil than in the manifestation of mental illness, yeah, and especially when especially when he tries to explain himself, he comes off like an obsessive, not like somebody who should be able to explain a medical condition Mm,
0: rather like rob zombie (laughs) (laughs) i mean if if anyone's the voice of rob zombie in this film it's loomis (laughs) oh i thought we were talking about donald pleasance's loomis well yeah you
3: look at you look at in the beginning of the original that the scene near the beginning um the scene where dr loomis goes before that board the two guys um, to, you know, and they're reviewing Michael's case and I, I like the fact that the movie portrayed these guys are reasonable they they seem professional they're they're asking for you know the evidence that's been given them is not sufficient for what Dr. Loomis is claiming. He's not giving them a solid reason like, oh, I saw evil behind his eyes. that's not a that's not something a doctor would say. <laughs>
2: Certainly he's... not if he's trying to get law enforcers on side. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
6: It's like those guys were begging him to just like just give us one reason to do what you're asking <laughs> and he's not he's not cooperating. Yeah. He's like, can't you just see how evil he is? <laughs>
0: Uh, for the for the uninitiated folks, um, what what we're basically laying down is that the original Halloween uh, is, is totally worth seeing. It's actually really really well crafted. If you're going to buy it and you haven't got it yet, the 35th anniversary edition is from a uh, newly remastered HD print. It's incredibly crisp and clear, and the it's got a very muted color palette. So don't expect it to be, you know, beautiful and bright. Mm, it's but very it, autumnal. Yeah, it has the look uh, like, uh, like if you saw this followed by It Follows, it, they would look like they were made in the same year, and both were period pieces. It has that crispness about it, um, and yeah. we you know no. thoroughly recommend that one. It's actually really well shot, and the the remaster was um, approved by uh, the what's his name, the DP, For Dean some- Cundy. Dean Cundy, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, who interestingly yeah. enough was DP on the second one? You can't tell.
6: Actually, the color palette's interesting that you bring that up. What's it? Uh, the cinematographer actually had just seen Chinatown, and he was trying to replicate the color palette from that. So the daytime scenes have a orange tint to them, and the nighttime scenes all have a blue tint to them.
4: Mm
2: teal and orange
4: Ch- mm, no <laughs> different, different different
2: different. I know I know, of the fish. I know but I I kind of that's that's interesting I did not know about the Chinatown thing I just assumed he was trying to make everything look like October
0: hmm.
2: Well, well he was he just got the idea from Chinatown
0: it's got kind of a the, the, the dark greens are so dark that you know with in certain lights and shadows they look black it's um, hmm. it's got that going for it but what i really liked uh, about michael himself in the uh, or at least the handling of michael i didn't like michael at all he he's you know creepy as all hell and that's what he's supposed to be it was it was that he was handled from a distance uh, that he was kept at arm's length you were never with michael even when you're in his car even when you're over his shoulder you're not with him you're being physically dragged in close but there's no register of any kind of emotion beyond malevolence And for that earlier shot, when you're uh, from his point of view, your natural reaction should be to be repulsed, revulsed, to feel like really uneasy with, with having to take part in what's going on. You should not be going, oh, bro, it's sick, dude. I hope that happens again. And if you do, you're watching it wrong.
2: Mm. Well, it's, it's so slow-paced to begin mm. with. You, Apart from, the obviously, the intro sequence, it takes its time to build. Yeah. You get to know people. You get visual cues and clues as to who they are um, and how they behave. We get very little of... Laurie having to sit down and have a, a, a conversation with somebody specifically to talk about herself and who she is. Mm. You see it in the way she behaves. Mm. She is set up as being smart and responsible by the way she interacts with the kids that she's babysitting mm. for, by the way that she interacts with her friends.
0: Curtis does fantastically, by yeah. the
2: way. Um, and oh, even, to
5: that, the, yeah. even to the way that she answers a question about... One of the, you know, they do the it follows thing where during a literature class, they're discussing the theme of the film. You know, she answers a question the teacher asks while she's half distracted by the creepy thing out the window. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does. Continue shouts. Which uh, Michelle Williams does exactly the same thing in the in H2O, H2O, by the way. Oh, so yep. there's your little callback there. Um, but yeah, so a lot of how she's actually illustrated is by contrast and um you know the the friends aren't exactly portrayed as dumb or you know particularly more I was going to say popular and sociable, but they are portrayed as more popular and sociable. That's the whole point. Neither of them is a turbo slut. Yeah, it's not overdone. It's not about the way they dress. In terms of
0: portrayal in slasher movies, not my personal view on that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. They don't seem stereotyped. They don't seem overly uh, painted as this here, this is last girl, these aren't. It's... It, it became, and and obviously this is one of the films that that trope originated in, but what it became later on actually does a, a disservice to what Carpenter was doing in this one, which I actually think he managed impressively well.
5: Well, uh, just to continue on what Sharon was saying and kind of talk about what, what Alex brought up in, in terms of just the way it's crafted, is that Carpenter does everything to set up all these characters and while he never puts you in Michael's head, You're always seeing things from a removed perspective so that it's not quite voyeuristic, but it feels unsettling for the entirety of the film. There's very few close-up shots. There's a lot of very long shots and Mm. wide angles. And so you're, you're, you're able to see everything laid out as you're watching Michael sort of track everything down, and it feels very contained. It builds the tension, but it also shows you here is where everything is in relation to everything else. And something that it also shows is just kind of like these, these people going about their day and being human. Like, Lori may be a final girl, but she smokes pot. You know, she's not in a sexual relationship, but she's doing drugs. And that's, that's one of the ways in which I think that Halloween wasn't, it, like, people learned the wrong lessons from Halloween in that, you know, you're supposed to feel uncomfortable seeing this stuff. You know, there's so many mm. times you're seeing someone through a window where terrible things are happening to them, or where you're looking through a window. The same time, the killer's looking through a window, and you're going, "Oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! This is not good." And where slashers became uncomfortable, it's where they made that a gleeful sort of voyeurism as opposed to an intentionally uncomfortable.
0: Mm. The scene in the car. There's 52 minutes. Until the first uh, actual kill after after the introduction, which again is very very long time to wait in slasher movies. People like modern day slasher fans would watch the original Halloween and complain about it because there are the, the killings aren't grisly enough. And uh, I'm not, not saying all fun. modern day slasher fans, no. but uh, <laughs> are, I, I read uh, people
2: uh, who are avid fans of modern day slasher's.
0: I read a review of H2O, uh, sorry, I've got to call it H20 because it's not 2O, it's 20 years afterwards. It's not 2O years afterwards. Mm. It's just, it's a, it's a stupid name. It's not a movie about name. water. It um, <laughs> yeah, that is a stupid yes. That's what not... I
2: assumed for years.
3: Yeah. I always thought, it was like,
0: <laughs> Halloween what? on a cruise
3: ship. <laughs> Halloween in water. I'm like, what does, what?
0: This time I'm going to use water in interesting ways that might, <laughs> some of which might surprise you. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, the the review of age 20 was, This film is terrible. They're hardly any killings and half of them are off screen. This is definitely the worst Halloween movie ever. And the mask is stupid. The hair on it is sticking up. And every part you see Myers, you see his eyes through the mask. Don't get this. Get the first. I've seen every Halloween and this is by far the worst. So bad I actually want to be sick just looking at the case. Yet another boring flick from the halloween series with its tired outscript, and non-existent storyline This definitely is one worth a miss Jamie Lee Curtis is still running from her twisted brother who insists on wearing an unflattering mask bought from the local market and then in brackets you'd have thought after 20 years. He might have changed his image and Although it can be bearable if you suffer from insomnia and need help getting to sleep Yeah, <laughs> i very droll. I would recommend you leave this one alone And it's it's another one of those ridiculously unreasonable bad- had reviews against humanity, where they were basically reviewing themselves, in that they cannot see past superficial small things like sticky up hair, you know, the, the well, you know, as opposed to the incredibly sleek original um, mask. Which, yeah. I mean, th- but the way that um, you're describing Michael uh, as he's stalking these girls, this could be a film about a hunter stalking lions in Africa, and just you know, this sort of wordless man making his. Uh, decisions and where to go and how to trap them and, 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 and shoot these lions coldly. And I would feel just as, as hideous and flesh crawly watching a dentist do that. You know, and, and deprive the world of lions. So when the actual first major kill comes in the car, w- yeah, he was in the backseat all along and he jumps, like he lurches forward, grabs her by the throat, and then it takes a long time for her to die of strangulation. He does cut her throat, but when it happens, the blood is obscured by the glass. It's not the focus of the shot. It's just chilling, and she's panicking, and he's just holding on. To, it's like it's really unpleasant, and it's supposed to be. This is not something you're supposed to enjoy. Mm. And I don't think John Carpenter was going, "Oh, this'll get him," and yeah. and this is how you're supposed to feel bad.
6: Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing particularly egregiously wrong with mm. Annie. Or Linda, for that matter. Mm. Yeah. Or Bob. Well, Bob suggests a threesome with a six-year-old, so there's something yeah. egregiously wrong with him. That, that guy. Was, was that a, I, I think that I think that was the actor screwing up. I because it would make sense if he had said Annie, we'll, yes. we'll rip Annie's clothes off because we're having a threesome with your friend. That makes sense for a teenager. Mm. We're having a threesome with your friend's little sister is creepy as fuck.
0: Well, basically, oh, wow. you know, no, that's no, where he no, should no, have corrected no. her and said, Annie, "You know, what, what was the name he, of the girl?" He
2: says Lindsay, and Lindsay. she should have looked. She at him should have and said,
0: "Lindsay's the six-year-old child," and go, <laughs> "Oh fuck!"
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope you mean Annie. But
0: that would have been like Kevin Williamson-style writing, mm. which this was not—a witty not film,
2: quite that sharp. No. No. Um, but it's funny you should say about the um, the image of the hunter stalking the lions, because one of the things that I I got from this, and I I. Don't know enough to know whether this was Carpenter's intention or whether this is just the way I'm reading it. But
0: maybe gazelles is better than lions because they are not predatory characters at all.
2: Well, this is the thing: the the setup in suburbia. Um, but
0: maybe Laurie's a lion. She totally fights back.
2: She does, yeah. Um, the. Part of the the palette and the way this looks, and you mentioned about the greens, the the greens are all quite muted and wet and dark and threatening. And the, the way I was kind of taking it was the idea that in the suburban setting... It's actually dangerous that you have all these tall hedges that nobody can see past. And that means that people can't protect each other. And in a suburban estate, you've got all these people all crammed in together, but not taking note of each other's um, safety and each other's business the way that people would have when they were sort of you know in villages and everybody was crammed in together and everybody had to keep an eye out for each other one of the most important things about horror movies and horror stories generally is this idea of the cautionary tale the um the psychological fence the that don't you go put into the woods or don't go out your, your children fence, yeah. exactly don't leave the village don't go into the woods and there seemed to be something here about a warning that in the suburban setup, the woods come to you. The, the thing in the woods that you're scared of, that you can caution your children to stay away from, if you set up an environment where it can get in without anybody being able to see it, that then becomes the danger. Um, and it's almost, um, it almost seems like a kind of a don't talk to strangers story, written incredibly large. And obviously the the, uh, the upshot of it being, albeit not until uh, Halloween 2, that it's don't talk to strangers, but in actual fact he's a member of the family. Which, again, is possibly the time period doesn't quite fit this in terms of it having been an intention. But the idea that you can set people up to be terrified of strangers as much as you like, the vast majority of uh, danger and abuse in this day and age actually comes from much, much closer to home.
5: Probably always has. Mm, Yeah. I think that's why Carpenter deliberately has the neighbors be incredibly unhelpful as he's trying to make it's it's not as literal a takedown of suburbia as something like Poltergeist is. Mm. But it's still showing that these little boxes that we've created our safe space in where the sheriff literally says that, you know, nothing ever happens in Haddonfield. It's like, well, yes, there's still Nastiness and violence and, and terrible things do happen here. It's just we ignore it.
3: Interestingly enough, too, uh, talking about you know how good Carpenter is with the visuals and and about the suburban setting, you get so many of those wide shots, so you can get a lot of a lot of use out of the foreground versus the background.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Like the like so many, you get so many shots over Michael's shoulder, mm-hmm. and. Just like the one that one shot where Lori's just walking down the street and Michael's watching her. That's it. It's dead simple, but it's incredibly tense.
6: Or that first shot of the Myers house uh, when Loomis and Sheriff Brackett go there, as the Myers house, and then suddenly the sheriff's car just comes into the foreground. And you just see "Sheriff" written on it. So.
3: Yeah, that that blew me away. I saw that. It was so perfectly. The shot was so perfect. It just it, <laughs>
6: part part of I think what made the visuals on this really work is so they had three hundred thousand dollar budget, fully half of it was spent on getting a Panavision camera system.
4: Wow. Which,
2: Good so that they could
6: film in 2.35 to 1 ratio, mm. but also so they had access to the Panaglide system, which is what we see all the point-of-view shots in, which is why it moves in a really unnatural uh, slide.
0: Yeah.
6: Michael doesn't bounce when he walks. Yeah, and when it's we're too saved. smooth. Yeah, it's too smooth. It's unnatural. It's disturbing, mm. even from that very first shot. Mm. And I think, you know, as a result, they had to make everybody buy their own clothes. They didn't have a costuming department. <laughs> uh, which is also why the clothing looks appropriate. Oh,
2: yeah, everybody so just, yeah. Oh, that's a really good idea.
6: Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, she got her stuff at JCPenney's.
5: <laughs> uh she had to have had a really good idea of her character, though, because she's still like she's literally buttoned down mm-hmm. uh, in, in yeah. comparison to her to her friends. There are a couple of like you know more casual outfits she wears, but you know she it's mostly she dresses skirts the part. instead
2: of jeans and uh, uh, blouses yeah. that as you say button up. Yeah,
5: and... tights, opaque tights. Mm. Yeah, her final outfit is a button-up shirt and the really high-waisted pants. Yeah.
2: Mm. But that, um, what you're saying there about the the lack of bounce and the fact that everything slides so smoothly, that gives it that dreamlike quality. Mm. And that's something I, I really did appreciate about it, that you, it feels incredibly disconcerting. And the fact that you're seeing these shots from Michael's perspective, but it doesn't... It doesn't automatically put you in his shoes. Um, You still sort of have that feeling of what he's doing is threatening and dangerous and wrong. And certainly for me, the response that I felt was wanting to reach out to to the the victims and the people that he's watching and warn them. And of course you can't, and, and there's nobody around who can... But it gave me that feeling of when you have a dream where you're seeing things happening and you can't affect them, you Mm. can't impact on them. Mm. And to evoke that in your audience is going to have a really high impact because you're putting them in their own nightmares then.
5: Mm -hmm. Wes Craven said that the the point of horror is not to create fear, but to release it. And I think that John Carpenter's Halloween is very much that writ large in terms of not just letting you experience fear, but also letting you kind of process the morbid fascination with what creates fear and our more violent impulses, because you do feel uncomfortable when you're in Michael Myers's headspace. But the movie does kind of make you go into that a little bit. In a you know, and still, it's it's a safe way. It's it's a movie. It's not real, and it never feels as grooey as something like the. The, the way that rob zombie does does his excuse of a film um yeah. but it's but it's still again it lets you be a little bit of a voyeur and that's i i think that's an important aspect of of horror just in general that that carpenter nails with this specific film
0: it's been a long time but i think that was in peeping tom as well i, I haven't seen it in since i was in film was, studies yeah. class but yeah so that was uh, one of the uh, earliest... Was that actually... Could that be considered a slasher? Again, I've, I've yeah. pretty much forgotten everything think, about it, but... Uh, I think
6: peeping Tom counts as a slasher. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Something um, uh, that Karu and I were discussing, actually, after we watched Halloween, noticing he commented how Laurie is preternaturally aware. And I, I responded with, no. I said, no, she's not preternaturally aware, she's a realistic human female level of awareness because she noticed someone watching her and she's now on high alert and that and I said no I I said that's as a woman you have to be paying attention to that you have to you know if you notice someone watching you then you are like you're scouting out with all of your senses all around you for an hour probably at least afterwards even if it's just you know some random person in a crowd and nothing happens Mm.
2: and i did think that her response there was very natural as well the um the scene where she gets the silent phone call and then you have this whole section where she's telling herself to calm down she's being silly she's being over anxious that's what you do when you see something Mm -hmm. that freaks you the shit out you then tell yourself it was nothing it didn't happen it's not real and yep. she, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis actually does recap that in um, H20. Uh, um, H20. Yeah. She's, she's doing that thing where she keeps seeing him, and then you get that, you know, she closes her eyes, she does the breathing exercises, it's ten. not real, counts to ten, exactly, yeah.
6: And that, that just occurred to me that basically what's happening, you know, years later in Scream is that um, Linda so, and Annie are, well, yes, Sydney, but I'm saying Linda and Annie are being blamed for their deaths in Halloween retroactively. They weren't paying <laughs> enough attention.
0: Why weren't you paying oh, attention? did you know there was a killer? Yeah, but that's <laughs> by like baying maniac. Like, uh, the the part like this Halloween is not a movie to put on for a baying crowd like Randy attempts in uh, no, in of Screen. Course not. It is it's it's not going to please them in that way. Like that's fifty two minutes of stuff that's not going to entertain them before the first kill happens you know it's it's...
5: well Randy's an idiot and he's also wrong like uh, (laughs) you (laughs) idiot like even even the way he describes Jamie Lee Curtis as being always the virgin it's like excuse me have you seen The Fog? shut up you're wrong (laughs) about it
0: also she hates (laughs) horror movies yes the uh, the commentary that's uh, it's apparently on the Blu Ray version of the 35th anniversary edition, but not on the DVD. Um, oh. uh, she she's there with uh, Carpenter talking about uh, I'm going to have to buy the Blu Ray now uh, about you know how she basically doesn't like uh, horror movies and never did. You know it, it took quite a lot of cajoling to get her back into the, the shoes of Laurie Stark Like she's comatose pretty much throughout all of Halloween Two. She is not there, and I don't know how much they would have paid her to get her back, but it probably wasn't enough. Um, but to, to bring her all the way back in H in 20, that she must have read the script and gone, yeah, okay, you know what, I'm happy with this. Uh, one other thing that uh, uh, Carpenter does extremely well, and it's literally him again, is the music. And uh, it, if you... <laughs> here's how you can tell the music's really good. Watch any other Halloween movie <laughs> and see yeah. how the music, specifically the, the, the uh, key theme, doesn't feel the same and doesn't inst- instill the same sense of dread and although it's, it feels uh, very much of its time, it's very synthy, it's very 70s, uh, it's also got that kind of dread-filled, like, purpose to it. So uh, it, it kind of reminded me of Resident Evil, the original, like, you know... Um, the original Resident Evil game, when you're uh, specifically the, the the HD remake, when you know, once you're in there, you're like, ha, ha 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 No, but seriously, this game is trying to kill me, uh, and yeah. um, <laughs> it, it's got that sort of that that, that that something is lurking in the darkness there for you. And even wow. if you turn the lights on, it's still there. It's it's that real sort of foreboding thing. And, and it, it's he does a lot with very little in the music. It's it's extremely wow. accomplished.
6: There's two things I want to say about the music. The first is, I want to just read you this note that I have from when I watched the movie. Walking across the street to Annie's, the music is stalking her, Mm. being Laurie. You can hear the music stalking behind her. The other thing is that initially there was no score to this film.
0: And I assume that uh, they, they played it for test audiences and they were like... Well, it's missing something. Oh yeah, music. Actually, and...
6: it, it was particularly a uh, female reviewer. I don't know her name. I couldn't find that, but she basically said this is not scary at all. And Carpenter
0: wrote the score in three days. Wow! I... To Which get it in there. It's... See, I found the actual the whole soundscape of the film really oppressive and unnerving. So obviously, the music accentuates that. I can't see how any just average person could sit there and be, oh, this is totally not scary. I think he may have been going for sort of a, a Texas Chainsaw type thing, but, yeah, for me, it just it felt like my, my skin was crawling off with the, the, the level of, of, of sharp, oppressive noise, just in the general ambience and the sound effects and the soundscape.
5: Which is why it's so pared down, and, and mm. part of the problem with Halloween 2, where he does the music again is he tries to get fancier with it, and even though he did the music in Halloween 2... I mean, Halloween 2 feels almost like someone trying to do a cover version of John Carpenter mm. and it just really for me. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's briefly talk about Halloween 2.
1: I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Who is it? Nothing within him, neither conscience, nor reason. That wasn't even remotely human.
5: <laughs> is this some kind of a joke? I've been trick treated to death tonight.
1: You don't know what death is. <laughs> Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the
0: Dead. It doesn't.
1: Halloween too. More of the night he came home.
0: It adds nothing to the original film, aside from to basically say, by the way, this stalking killer just happens to be your baby brother. But the way that that is... Uh, sorry, your slightly older brother. But the way that that is imparted is in a car with a nurse telling Dr. Loomis, Laurie never really... like Does she get told? No. After the movie, I guess? Oh, oh my yeah, God, kinda... she doesn't know? No. That's Go so on. terrible! Because the whole point is that like the, the nurse should have told Dr. Loomis that uh, you got to read this file. And Dr. Loomis sort of reads to it and goes, We've got to get to the hospital right now. No, no hang on, I'll do the We Hate movies voice. We have got to get to the hospital right now! <laughs> <laughs> Loose That's Loomis. Not... And then, like you know, just like during the final confrontation, you have to understand, Laurie, his. He's your brother! And, like, you know, the the big revelation, and just, like, you know, slow zoom in a slow zoom-in on Jamie Lee Curtis's face, no, that's not true! That's
4: impossible! That's impossible. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, God. She doesn't even learn
5: his name until the very end of the film. God. And even then, it's only in the context of, wait, that guy who killed his sister? Yeah, he's also your brother. Bye! Bye! <laughs> Such an
6: important part of the mythology. Mm. And these the first two movies treat it like nothing. The first movie just has "sister" written in the back of the door, like carved in the back of the door, and then, like you were saying, it's mentioned in passing, and Laurie really never finds out.
0: Oh, hang on, "sister" carved in the back of the door. Where's that?
6: Um, when they are looking at the at uh, how Michael escaped by breaking through the window, mm-hmm. "sister" is carved in the back of the door, and Loomis says, "I know where he's going." Yeah, I
2: but know. I always assumed. I know where he's going. Was, I always assumed yeah. that that was part of the whole. He's going back, back to, to the house where to he killed his, his sister murder of Judith. Yeah.
3: Well, and I think they left that purposely ambiguous. Nice. They want. I, I think they wanted you. They wanted the option to say, "Oh, it could have been Judith," and he does. He steals the gravestone, mm-hmm. so that that lends credence to that. But it could also be Laurie. Mm. Yeah.
5: yeah, there's there's nothing in the original film to show that Laurie is literally his sister. You know, Michael Myers is like he's referred to as just the shape, um, canonically in in the first film. Yeah, and and it again you know it works so much better that way when it's left you know right down to the his body is gone and then you see shots of places and you hear his breathing and then that's just it and it almost feels like halloween 2 is carpenter saying okay yes fine but now he's dead he's dead we shot him and we blew him up and we burned him up and now he's dead (laughs) <laughs> I counted fourteen just shots. <laughs>
2: yeah, and suddenly he becomes immortal. You can run this man over, and he will just you know bounce straight back up again. Yeah, it's because was... of the curse <laughs> of Thor. <thought. laughs> this was one of the things that. <laughs> Really, really pissed me off about the jump between the first movie and Halloween 2. Right? Aside
0: for the fact that the second one's
2: god-awful. Well, yes, it's but this so is, boring, this it's so slow. God, this is part of what makes it so god-awful. It literally picks up from the end of the first movie. You segue from one directly into two, no time passes, do not pass go, do not collect 200 It's still
0: pounds. 1978.
2: It's it's still the Laurie's same night. Lori's going to hospital from it's the wound she sustained Halloween. on that first it, chase. It's still the same night. Yesterday, nobody knew who Michael Myers was. They refer to the Myers house, yep. but nobody talks about Michael Myers. Well, suddenly
0: people are going, "Look, the Myers house?
2: everyone knows who he is. Everyone's talking about oh, him. Oh,
0: you don't want to go in that house. That's the Myers <laughs> That's house.
2: That's the Myers house. <laughs> and everybody knows who he is. And there's a Michael guy Myers walking around in a Michael Myers costume. <laughs> Absolutely. Ben Tramer. Well, they, ben Tramer. They all read the script. <laughs> that was it. But... Um, Laurie appears to have also acquired a boyfriend in the twenty minutes that she was unconscious in the hospital. She suddenly hey, got this man. guy, Jimmy, hey, sitting at her bedside, like, you know, oh hi, it's you. She was moaning over Ben Schremer oh, less than six hours ago. What happened there?
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, she is a teenager. Yeah. Well that's true. Tend to be and, <laughs> and you
6: know what? I'm willing to give I'm willing to give Jimmy a pass as awful of and pointless a character as he is. Last Starfighter is one of my favorite movies, (laughs) so I was just happy to see Lance Gaston there. (laughs) Side note, director of uh, Last Starfighter is Nick Castle, the original Michael Myers body. Oh, nice.
0: Um, Oh, by the way, there is a kill, or a pair of kills in uh, (coughs) Halloween 2, which um, best sums up this whole... The guy dies, the girl just gets, it so Robert, very yeah. bad. The, the guy, basically, a, a guy and a girl are having sex in what appears to be a medical jacuzzi. I
2: was going to say, a hot tub <laughs> in a hospital, In a hos- that's the not... therapy, the it's therapy, therapy so, tub. Yeah, yeah I'm a sure it was.
0: Tub. Yeah, they didn't pay for a, a jacuzzi, did they?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, I was just thinking, it's not 1999, it's clearly not a birthing tub. So the
0: guy goes into yeah. <laughs> the... The guy goes, because it's getting a bit too hot, and because uh, Michael's turned up the heat... And uh, so the guy goes out back to, to, to deal with it. And then basically, like, we see him getting throttled by Michael using a garrote for the only time. And the guy's like, and then dies it's like. It's
2: through glass, you can't hear a thing. He,
0: he dies like a guy in a Bond movie. Oh. And um, then Michael comes in, and the, the, the water has been heated up to boiling point at this point. And the, and the nurse has gotten out, she's like, oh, that's too hot for me. And Michael grabs her and. Okay, Sharon's covering her ears, because this is trigger warning, folks. And then holds her head under the boiling water, and then, like, pulls her back up again. So she's like, "Uh, uh, uh," and then dunks her under again. And, like, four or five times, until her skin is fucking blistering off, and then drops her on the ground dead. It's...
5: It's and,
2: entirely and unnecessary. Yep. Yes, yeah. the nakedness is also entirely unnecessary. It is, There is zero consistency there with who Michael is and how he's killed in the past as well. That's the other thing. He yeah. suddenly gets bizarrely creative.
0: Like, oh, that's the, I'm bored of just the yeah. old like, choke and stab, which is, I mean, like, in, in real life, most serial killers tend to use the same method over and over again. But of course, in in, in the celebrity serial killer movie, they have to mix it up because otherwise the audience get bored. But then there's another, uh, like a, a nurse comes in to find a man who's already dead and he's got a syringe in his head and there's like, oh my god, he's already dead, he probably suffered, and then like, she gets grabbed and, oh my god, and then slowly injected in the side of her head and killed so it's literally the same thing again the guy sort of dies very quickly, and off camera, and then her, we've got to focus on her pain and suffering and this just this just escalated this was the tip of the funnel, it spiralled outwards from there, and obviously men have died repeatedly and sometimes hilariously in uh, slasher movies, I tend to favour the slasher movies where guys die in terrible ways as well um because at least it felt like to his credit and there's this is the only good thing you can say about the the rob zombie uh, um halloween it's only a kernel of possibility he was a bit more equal opportunities a couple of guys died in that movie horribly yeah. But then he starts focusing on girls and screaming and pleading for help and running away and blah, 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 blah. Yeah.
6: Danny Trejo was pushed through
0: a grate.
6: Yeah. Your buddy, Danny Trejo. How could
0: you do that? Yeah, dare? I
6: was good to you, Michael. I was. I, I gotta give Danny Trejo credit. That was well-delivered line. Yeah. I'm, I'm just searching for nice things to say about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Probably Trejo was
0: nice. But first, lame, saber tooth Tyler Mayne don't give a fuck about anybody. So- yeah. Yeah, so um you guys do you wanna rage about the Rob Zombie remake? Because when we started watching it, I was like to begin with, I was like, Oh, so they're kind of going into Michael Myers and like rather than it being a thing about suburbia, he's from like the the poorest of redneck families and it's like everybody in this is a horrible stereotype, just like House of a Thousand Corpses, just like the Devil's Rejects. And then it just escalated from there to just, like, absolutely horrible, horrible goings-on.
2: Well, that that setting was the first thing that put me off about it. Because part of the the original is the terrible things happen in middle-class America yeah he and could be anyone uh, exactly and and yeah. people ignore them because it's middle class america mm-hmm. and then this one starts and it's like oh no this is poor people so you know fuck it
5: oh not yeah. not just poor people but poor disabled people yeah, poor, poor people, alcoholic poor sex people sex industry poor yeah. strippers yeah.
2: well in that case it's no wonder well, he's fucked up his mama's on the pole what yeah <laughs>
6: Yeah, Rob Zombie needed to find an excuse to put his wife's ass in the movie, otherwise it doesn't count. The The fact that she's his wife. There
2: is something that really bothers me about male directors who feel the need to show the world how awesome their wives look naked. It just feels like boasting. Look at
6: them titties, have a bang on that. Plus Rob Zombie has this weird obsession with uh, killer rednecks. Mm. I don't understand it, I'm like, what... I, I, I understand he was a carny, but does that necessarily lead to Killer Rednecks? Is that where this is coming from, or what? Look,
5: I like Texas Chainsaw and the Hills of Eyes also, but really, you don't have to
0: keep trying to make those two movies. Yeah.
6: Texas Chainsaw the People Under the Stairs is what I like to call House of a Thousand Corpses. Did he
0: miss uh, the, a bit the, the opportunity to direct Texas Chainsaw, the, the, the remake? He didn't direct it. Yeah. I don't know
5: if he was lobbying He must have it. been
0: kicking himself, because that obviously is oh, yeah. the, yeah. you know, that was the the, the lion in the jungle. So It'll they... get reboot remade again. He may get another chance.
2: Oh. So if they and... have a remake deliverance, he's going to be right there at the front of the oh,
0: queue. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Reynolds when will th- come out of retirement and go, good God, man. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, my, my biggest th- complaint about about the Rob Zombie Halloween is that it wallows for 25 freaking minutes doing a terrible version of what John Carpenter does in less than five minutes in a much more effective and uncomfortable but not torturously grotesque way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that that was another one of the the lines that I was drawing, actually, between not being wildly over-keen on the original Halloween and then seeing this one and going, you know what, fuck it, that's a classic, Um, (laughs) was the uh, the initial kill of Judith Myers. It is a little bit over-sexualised. She doesn't need to be naked. She doesn't need to smear her own blood all over her breasts. That was a little bit of over-egging the pudding. Um, But compared to this, oh, my God, just the... The, I, I don't even know if I can talk about, you know, you know, I said, yeah. well, you know, let me know when I reach the point that only dogs can hear. <sighs>
3: yeah. Yeah. But we're getting there. <laughs> I, I will give a very, very minor, and this is, this is not to excuse the remake in anyway, Very minor bit of praise is that what Rob Zombie does do well, he captures those the way those people of that social strata—and I, I have a lot of family. I'm from, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Nebraska, and I have a lot of family who are fairly poor. And he does capture the aesthetic, the houses, the way they dress, the 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 way there's almost a layer of grime on everything. He does capture that very well.
6: And he's not he's not bad with a camera. He really isn't. Uh, more so in, Lo- in Lords of Salem, which I think is probably the only movie of his that I genuinely like than in something like Halloween or Devil's Rejects or anything like that. But he does know his way around a camera, and you occasionally get to see some really brilliant shots. Not John Carpenter brilliant, but some really fantastic work. I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah, When he gets into the story, that it falls apart. <laughs> yeah.
2: Story, characterization, script. Uh, yeah.
6: <laughs> well, oh, I got so annoyed with Michael, who...
3: Is he a sympathetic villain or not? Yeah, John Carpenter wanted to have his cake and eat it. Not Excuse me. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Rob Zombie. <laughs> Rob Zombie <laughs> yeah. wanted to have his cake and eat it, too, because he wanted to have the Michael Myers of, of the original movie, and, but he also wanted to have a sympathetic villain. And you can't do both. Mm. Yeah. His first adult kill
6: is are a couple of rapists. And then his next adult kill is the
0: dude who is nice to him. Mm. Well, he has no line.
2: His needle swings back and forth very wildly yeah. in a way that is entirely inconsistent with the events that have supposedly formulated this mindset.
0: Basically, if he had a bright, or no, if he had at least a murky line wherein he leaves Danny Trejo alive, uh, does he like spare the life of a small child later on? Like he's hanging over her at one point, and then he doesn't. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't
3: believe even in the remake he didn't. Yeah. I don't think he. Told that any would appear rebound. to be
0: his line. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So he's got that line, and then he tries to relate to Laurie at the end. So that's his line, mm. but she's. Stupid, so she can't tie the two together. But by the way, here's the other thing: you clearly you aren't supposed to sympathise with Michael Myers. He's a monster and an irredeemable one in this one. He's truly terrible as a, as a, a a creature. There's not a single person in this movie who's even the tiniest bit relatable. So what you're watching is a monster's ball. You're watching. Just these grotesque creatures from the pit made of slime and feculence crawl all over each other, screaming and swearing and gouting blood and sharp objects. It's just a trough of awful and screams.
3: I did feel like he was trying, and not not very well, he was trying to make her, the Strodes, her adoptive parents, to be fairly likable.
0: The mom from E.T.? Yeah, I think he was. And then he horribly butchered her. So what does this achieve? If you're like, okay, so I can relate to that. Oh, they're dead. Uh,
6: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, both Debbie and I are fans of American Horror Story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one thing we've noticed is that if you're not a main character on that show, you're probably an awful person. It's just one of the tropes of the show that almost everybody's a monster unless you're a main character. And that's very much what's going on in Halloween. But it doesn't work as well because we at least have main characters in AHS. Mm. We have people we like.
3: Oh, I can't recommend AHS enough. I'm the one that got him into it. I adore that show. Should we start
0: at the beginning or since they're all different seasons, should we just start at a later one?
6: Uh take your pick. They all kinda have their own aesthetics. Uh two is my favorite, but two is really confused. Oh. Two is
3: my least favorite, actually. Oh. <laughs> uh, three is
6: three and four are probably really great places to start. Um but one not one has
0: we all agreed that not one.
6: <laughs> yeah No, one is not bad, but one has fewer um, really good characters.
0: Okay. Uh, whereas 3 concept. and 4 have really fantastic characters that you learn to love very quickly. Okay. 3 and 4 it is then. Oh, uh, well, Debbie, <laughs> Debbie, which is your favorite of 3 and 4?
3: I uh, actually my favorite my favorite's actually 5. Ah, oh, <laughs> It's <laughs> You can really pick up any season since they're so self-contained. So you I'm can told. really You can pick and choose. It really depends on what you want to do. Mhm. Pick by your theme, basically.
6: Yeah, uh, three is about witches. Four is about carnies. Five is about vampires. Okay. Uh, one is about ghosts. Two is about fucking everything.
3: That's <laughs> hmm. part of the it's problem. Set in, it's, it's set in an asylum, but there's
6: yeah, there, oh, there there's man. there's ghosts, aliens, Nazis, <laughs> monsters. It it like I said, it's really it's really confused. I like it because it's confused, but most people I, are going to look at like what what the hell's going on here? <laughs> okay, Satan. <laughs>
2: yeah. <sighs> just going back briefly to this idea that um that Rob Zombie wants to have his cake and eat it, I, I think that really was the the main difficulty that I had with this one. When when it comes down to it, the, the what was happening on screen was just the kind of the, the illustration of this issue, which is that he it's not so much that he doesn't have a line, as his line keeps moving, mm. depending on what he wants to be able to portray. Kind of like Michael so, Myers. Well, exactly. But the, to that, and that's to do with how he portrays Michael. If he wanted Michael to be sympathetic, then... That scene in the hospital, where um, where the, the two orderlies, which by the way, I don't care where that place is, they're not getting hired. That's no. <laughs> not, you behave yeah, that no, way, that's not you don't have that job for very long, at the very least. But um, that that whole scene could have been improved vastly by having Michael make his kill earlier. We knew what was going to happen. It was pretty obvious what route it was going. But it he wanted yeah. to be able to put what happened in that scene, which is absolutely fucking atrocious.
5: Yeah, that scene is that where I, on the screen. Movie lost me. Yeah, and yeah.
2: that's the that, yeah, point that's the point at which I went, This is this is not a well man. You talk about horror these kind of horror movies and, and horror movies in general being the expression of the, the personal demons of the people who created them. I am genuinely worried about Rob Zombie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pray for zombie <laughs>
5: okay anyway that that particular bit just screams either someone who is not well or someone who just just has no regard for for what they're actually doing from an artistic standpoint and is just trying to do a whole bunch of shocking bullshit and that's that's kind of where you run into problems with michael is michael myers to work as an effective like unsettling and scary character he needs some restraint there's a lot of restraint in the first halloween Mm -hmm. he passes up opportunities to just kill a lot of people i mean it's not made explicit um the way it is in h2o where he explicitly doesn't kill a couple people Mm -hmm. um because he doesn't need to but you know he's very specifically targets people who have drawn his attention in halloween one Mm. and in halloween two he just becomes you know the terminator or chase and and he's just killing freaking everybody Mm. and in rob that's exactly what
2: you said isn't it he he doesn't have a line and that makes it really difficult to get behind him as a character Mm. in any way as Mm. in not necessarily be supportive and sympathetic towards him but just to to, for there to be anything worth watching
5: it also means the kills that that you know just become so much white noise and lose any sense of impact because it's just killing everyone so you have very little emotional investment in anything that's happening
0: is there a slasher film uh, where where the killer goes specifically after misogynists and it's called white knight with an n <laughs> rather than a k because oh. i got one right there it's the nightmare of misogynists <laughs> <laughs> And uh,
6: I, I, yeah. I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah. And also, he collects testicles. Ew. Wow. And where's, that, where's the them? And man at the
2: nickels? end of the movie, he pulls off his mask to reveal Miranda Otto.
0: No, no. It's, it's <laughs> it it wouldn't and shouldn't be a woman because then it's way too easy to go, look, look, see, the emasculating woman. That's yeah. what women all really want to do. Oh, okay. And the idea Is of you he... know being, yes, you're, you're just a white knight, you're just a pussy, and ah!
2: steady
6: <laughs> yeah it's the inversion of slumber party massacre basically
0: yeah mm-hmm. so yeah he, like i say he wears a giant necklace of those around his, his neck like a kuma mm-hmm. um, I actually
2: <laughs> I, I went looking for um feminist slasher movies on google earlier today and i found a list of i think there was 11 and i have never heard of any of them mm-hmm. so um, i might have it's to try not- and track a couple of those down
5: it's not what I would call a, a feminist slasher movie, but it's a deliberate, complete inversion of the usual slasher s- dynamic: dude, bro, party, massacre. Three.
0: All right. <laughs>
5: <laughs> to to be clear, there is no dude, bro, party, massacre one or two. Oh, uh, that. This is a a kickstarted film by the by the people who make five second films, um, and it's it's exactly what it sounds like. is it's a dude, bro, party, massacre. Uh, slasher type film, only it's dudes instead of the, the normal objectified, you know slinky women types
6: mm, um, Objectified dudes, like walking around in jocks and stuff Do we get to um, see some curious. toned abs?
5: Yeah Yeah, yeah. in a way like it's, like the, you don't go quite, they, they don't go full dong, I don't think, but
0: um, A little bit of the I'm sort of above groin started. area, maybe just but in, in terms
5: of, of, like, feminist, um, I would argue that one thing that even kind of junky horror movies do is uh, the it, – it's, it's sort of – it might even be accidental for a lot of slashers, um, but it's something that both um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street and the original Friday the 13th and the original Halloween as well did this, is the, the final girl literally co-ops the killer's main weapon – and turns it on them. Yeah. Um, with Nancy, it's more like you know she pulls him out of the dream into his world, as opposed to him pulling her into into the dream world. Mm-hmm. Um, but turning the villain's weapon upon them uh, is is a big part of these original uh, sort of movies. Again, it's something that Halloween two completely fails to do yeah. uh, because she just shoots him and then blows him
0: up. Does she blow Look, him? I, I forget. Wasn't it Dr. Loomis who blew up the no, gas
5: Well, she, she helps turn on the gas in the ether and, and shoots his yeah. eyes out. But yeah, yeah, Loomis blows him up.
0: I'd like to say, think <sighs> that no, that dude, was no, an incredibly easy paycheck, actually, for, for uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, because she barely says anything in Halloween 2, spends most of it just moaning and asleep and staring. And it, it just seems like she's barely there. And then there's this big reveal at the end. Can we just... Can we talk about how she? We're done with Rob Zombie. Let's yes, put we are. let's bury that yeah, shit. We, uh,
6: put, put Rob Zombie away.
4: <laughs>
0: but Halloween H twenty was the other, uh, the, the fourth film that we watched in this series. Now I saw this back in nineteen ninety eight, and uh, I think that was about the only time I ever actually saw it. And um, we won't discuss Halloween Resurrection, aside from to say that it undoes the great ending from this. Uh, simply because they've got to have another Michael Myers movie. And Halloween Resurrection is fucking vile and stupid and hateful. And I cannot stand that film. I saw that in the cinema and was repulsed. I haven't seen it uh, again since, and I never will. Because as far as I'm concerned, folks, it ain't canon. In my head, it's Halloween 1, grudgingly Halloween 2, and then Halloween H20. Because basically, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch... Diverts and has nothing to do with Michael Myers, and in fact, certainly can't be canon because the world ends, or like you know, like yeah. like a terrible thing happens at the end, which completely fucks everything. Uh, and then four, five, and six were sort of uh, like sort of return of Michael Myers, like like eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety five, shitty slasher movies. Um, uh, we hate movies, of course. Cover the uh, the sixth one, uh, and then Halloween H twenty. They got Jamie Lee Curtis back, and then on the back of Scream. They did a big, glossy, modern Dimension Films version of Halloween. Do you guys want to talk about Halloween H20? It's 1998
1: in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I (laughs) love
6: the way this man thinks.
3: No booze,
6: no drugs, no kidding.
1: One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I went into hiding. That's terrible.
4: Take off (laughs) your clothes. My brother killed my sister.
1: (laughs) How'd he do that?
4: With a really big kitchen knife.
5: That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. It's been 20 years. What's he waiting for, huh? Don't you think he would have shown up by now?
4: Wait,
1: what's going on, baby? I don't know. This is a sick joke. <laughs> now, come on! The face of good and the face of evil will meet one last time. But this time, it's going to be a fight to the finish. Oh my God! This summer, Terror won't be taking a vacation.
5: Halloween H20
1: It's Halloween. I guess everyone is entitled to one good scare.
4: I've had my share.
5: Cool. I love that it basically ignores it, it, mo- it ignores most of Halloween two as well because oh, yeah. they mention that she knows he's related to her and they mention him burning, but even like uh Loomis's fate, you know, they mention Dr. Loomis. Oh, he died a few years ago, not he died twenty years ago in a big old explosion. So mm. you can you can almost ignore even Halloween two except for the the revelation that she finds out he's related to her. Yeah. And and I love that, because you don't need Halloween 2 at all.
0: Yeah.
6: yeah. Uh, one thing that I particularly like is how Laurie has developed over the years. Uh, her son describes her as a functional alcoholic. Mm. And that actually makes sense for somebody who has been through this. Uh, it, it As much as you know we get down on Halloween 2, I will say that for the limited amount that Laurie is in there, I liked seeing her fighting her way through... Um, sedation sedation and crawling around and trying to survive with basically this handicap on her
4: Mm, mm.
6: and seeing her here with this again, kind of self-medicating and doubting herself. She's been gaslighted for how many years probably about Michael Myers and what he's capable of. Mm. And then you just see her go on. Sorry.
5: um, Well, I was just wondering if in relation to, that aspect of her psychology. I'm wondering if there's part of this film that got cut because it's a very lean 81 minutes without the credits. Yeah, there and was at
6: least one scene about that would have tied in four, five, and six, and they cut that out. I know good. that for a fact.
5: Yeah, no, that's that's fine. I'm just like, as far as Lori and and dealing with her her psychological hangups and and any sort of payoff for her alcoholism or anything like that. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of extra stuff that happens after about an hour in the movie just goes 99 miles an hour afterwards and then i really like how it ends but i don't know it feels like there could have been a little bit more exploration of her character uh considering how much time they spend setting up that she's got these major major issues
6: well i mean they have a character uh, adam arkin's character who could have been a great vehicle for that being a psychologist and a better one than loomis um but in the original cut he was in fact a copycat and he was the killer.
5: Uh, and oh. they changed that
6: later. Thank you. You, you yeah. can see artifacts of the original ideas in there. Um and one of them Adam which is why in some of the early scenes, they're kind of setting him up to be the villain. Mm. And ultimately he's not. But they did they did want to do that at one point. And I wish that they hadn't – I wish they had settled on this before because he would have been a great vehicle for sort of analyzing Laurie.
2: Mm. If, yeah. she'd, if she'd been more honest with him from the beginning. Um yeah. you'd, you'd got to see her talking through some of this stuff. And that does sound a bit like that old it's always the boyfriend trope.
0: Yeah. 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 Also, I'm just sad that Adam, I had actually, I misremembered the film. I thought Adam Arkin survived because LL Cool J survived. I was like, oh, this is like, you know, post-screen where characters you like can get stabbed repeatedly and actually are okay at the end. They just, you know, they limp a bit. But you no, know, Adam Arkin totally took a dirt nap. <laughs> uh uh-huh. But uh, but yeah, his character I actually liked I mean, uh, The fact that he played a psychologist in The West Wing it, to supremely Good effect, kind of just like, Extra mm-hmm. soul that I was like, of course, yeah, Adam Markin's psychologist. No, wait, he is an actor He is an actor <laughs> <laughs> <It's
4: laughs>
0: Nope, oh, nope, just playing himself mm. uh, But she's also fleshed out By the fact that, you know, uh, her son John, who is very much a John Connor Type, uh, is, uh, is There played by the, and introducing Josh Hartnett, and both of us wondered when, when he turned up, whatever happened to Josh Hartnett? He's really good in the couple of things we, we saw him in. Like you know, yeah. I, We really like the faculty as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, He's he, the best thing about Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor.
0: Uh, yeah, the best thing about Pearl Harbor. Um, uh,
5: Penny Dreadful deserves your attention if you're a Josh Hartnett or an Eva Green
0: fan. We will, simply because <laughs> it's of the uh, time period as well. Yeah. I'm thinking lucky number Slevin.
2: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and we saw him um, on stage playing...
0: Charlie Babbitt, Charlie in, Babbitt Rain in Rain Man and he was extremely oh good. He wow. was great. He yeah. was
2: really yeah. really good.
0: Again though, you know the 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 boyfriend of there's the the dead meat boy and the dead meat girl. And the dead meat boy like drops a thing into a waste disposal unit and like a corkscrew, and he like reaches his fingers down At to which touch point, the blade. I
2: covered my eyes and wouldn't look. Entire <laughs> audience goes, "Oh my god!"
0: And then he turns around and Michael Myers is there and it's okay, guys. He gets killed off camera because then he gets to be discovered by the girl who and it, it, he is used to up her terror. And then there's an extremely protracted sequence where she's trying to run away from Michael Myers. Her foot gets slammed in the dumb waiter and it's very oh, prolonged that's... and exotic kill. And then she's horribly murdered and, and, and that's about the only uh, kills you get in there apart from poor Adam Arkin. Oh, again, yep. though, Michael Myers in this has a line. He doesn't kill that mother and daughter in the uh, in the toilets. Hey,
5: right, he doesn't yeah. need to. He just, just needs the car. Yep. He yeah.
0: just stole their
3: truck. Yeah. Yep.
0: And I mustn't forget that the nurse from the Halloween 2 film who gave that exposition about Laurie being Michael's sister, she gets killed at the beginning of this, along with a pair of stupid teenage boys, including little Joseph Gordon-Levitt who gets an ice skate in the face. But again, we don't see that happen. She just discovers him, and it heightens her fear before she's then horribly killed. But yeah, the, the LL Cool J riding a, 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 a... Erotic move. <laughs> again, he's the funny black guy, but he's LL Cool J, so he has like that sense of the genuine about him, and he, he's uh, just as good in uh, Deep Blue Sea, which I recommend.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah, He's a great he, he's actor. A mm. adorable. He's adorable.
0: Yeah. Uh, but the the whole um, you know, the vo- uh, as with the original Halloween, voicing the parallel, of, you know, the, the Frankenstein, and she had to face the you know, he had to face the uh, monster, mm. and yeah.
2: Although I I would question that parallel because um, I I do like the idea that basically Victor faces down the monster at the end of Frankenstein because he has nothing left to lose now, mm-hmm. and so he might as well almost. But the implication there would be that Laurie created Michael. Which Which she didn't. didn't. He
0: was already around. Technically, you could argue, if you were really trying to read into it, that as with Patrick Hoxstetter in It, Mm. the fact that Laurie was born made Michael a middle child, which gave birth to the psychosis. So merely by the act of being born, Mm. she created his... uh, terrible affliction
2: yeah i did i did speculate that michael's particular mindset could be the offspring of middle child syndrome and a really extreme sibling rivalry
5: mm. i mean there's there's definitely something to be said for at least trying to retroactively say okay you know be running from this thing you know is is only going to lose you more things and you know she definitely didn't create michael and the the frankenstein metaphor only kind of halfway works Mm. but they at least do make it work for that that back half where you know since she's the one in the classroom talking about that particular bit you know it's like you see her make the choice of you know i don't want to lose everything so you guys go i'm gonna handle some shit over here
2: Yeah, and I did. I did think that you could read the the fact that Laurie has more power than Michael at the end mm. as being the fact that if you go with the interpretation that he is trying to reenact his murder of Judith over and over and over again, he will never win. He will never satiate that need. She, however, is trying to kill the actual object of her her terror and and um, resentment. And so it's what she's doing is more authentic, and so she has more power and more emphasis mm-hmm. and more ability to actually conclude what she's trying to do. And the idea that basically everything she's tried to defeat her internal terrors <clears throat> and fears has failed, being able to actually kill her demon is what finally brings her through the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Plus, Jamie Lee Curtis is a class act, and seeing her in the '90s, she she was she was kind of reaching her acting stride here. Like she had done some yeah. really great movies. I she love, was I love her in places. She's she, her performance in True Lies is great. And oh, absolutely, yeah. Her comedy performance in Freaky Friday a few years after this is great. Uh, and this is one of the few horror movie performances where she gets to really sort of let herself off the chain. Mm. Yeah, but come she, at it oh, with the power of a middle-aged really ed- woman with, with, like, purpose in there rather than a shrieking girl. Let me tell you who else is a class act. Janet Lee. Uh, who turns yeah. up as uh, this, I can't remember the name of the character. Secretary Norma. Secretary Norma, yeah. Uh, Janet Lee is, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis's real mother, uh, but was also uh, Marianne Crane in Psycho. When they part ways after her, she gives her some very, she says, can I be maternal for a second? wink yeah um, she <laughs> was adorable uh, she gets into the psycho car and then there's a little strain of the psycho score in the in the uh, music which uh, i just i really hope you know reached a lot of audiences because this i think was, this is was the same year that gus van zant's psycho came out and desecrated the hitch clock classic
1: uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh oh damn it oh oh miss tate i'm i'm so sorry i i didn't mean to make you jump it's okay well, hey, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. I've had my share. Uh, Miss Tate, I know it's not my place. If I could be maternal for a moment, I don't like to see you like this. I've seen you like this before, and we've all had bad things happen to us. The trick is to concentrate on today. What do I know? You just take care of yourself, okay? Thank you very much. I'll see you Monday. (laughs) Oh, Miss Tate! uh, Happy Halloween!
0: This was one of the very few times they appeared on screen together. Janet Leigh died in 2004.
5: I think it was uh, the same year or the year later, because it was 98, mm. so it was it was definitely post-Scream. I mean, they have, it, it's so winking about Scream because they had Scream playing Halloween and then Scream 2 is playing in this movie.
0: Uh, actually, I've um, got a thing about that. It, well, the original halloween they're watching the thing the original the thing from Outer space and and uh, which is then remade by carpet a couple of years afterwards and then like night of the living dead in halloween 2 but okay. in scream jamie kennedy and company are talking about the events of the first halloween film and then in scream 2 it's like do you want to die cindy but that that suggests that that is a universe where the first Scream exists, wherein the first Halloween exists, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, who gets called Jamie <laughs> Lee Okay, so which They're is it, guys? A snow globe. It, does Scream exist in the Halloween world, or does Halloween exist in the Scream world? Because you literally can't have both. <laughs> They also talk about Michael Myers in the original Scream. So yeah, there is no two ways about it. Halloween exists in the Scream world. The moment that you put Scream 2 in Halloween H20, you break everything. No,
2: I've got it, I've got it. They both exist in each other's worlds, but they're both documentaries. They're talking about Michael Myers, No, actual (laughs) No,
0: because Stab exists in the Scream world, and that is a shitty version of Scream, which means that in the Scream world, if the events of Halloween actually took place, their version of Halloween would... Would be as shitty as say Halloween Two. Yes.
5: Well, I'll do that's you one better. Funny. I'll do you one better. the The original Halloween mm-hmm. is a fictional movie that airs during Halloween Three. So Scream is a is a film that is in canon in the Halloween Three universe, where not quite all the children got mask eaten.
0: Yeah. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that that's oh. more likely, but than many of the other things we've mentioned. But uh, but yeah. It's a, but, but that just seemed to be more of a kind of, without thinking about it, hey, folks, remember Scream? Scream's good. You all like Scream, don't you? Keep watching those Dimension films. I <laughs> mean, it's the reason that
5: Halloween 20 got made. So I guess, I mean, yeah. you may as well acknowledge the elephant in the room.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, because in this case, you really can't, without creating a conundrum like we just said, it's feedback. It's a feedback loop. Yes. <laughs>
6: It's, maybe they exist in world. different universes mm-hmm. where the other one is a movie in that universe. So in the Halloween universe, Scream exists. And in the Scream universe, Halloween exists, but they are otherwise different universes.
2: So in their version of Scream, they're talking about a different movie. Yeah. The first
0: one. Yeah. Maybe yeah. yeah, maybe maybe when uh when ah It's the the
5: multiverse theory where the directors have been influenced by the projections of the realities of the other universe that bleed across the... Okay, I'm
0: done. I've gone (laughs) cross-eyed.
2: My head's just exploded.
0: I was going to say, Randy suggests two films. I think the other one was Prom Night, wasn't it? Um, And I I would imagine that in the uh, alternate version of Scream, they watch Prom Night instead and rip into that. That Uh. Anyway, right. So um uh, any other good bits about Halloween H20 before uh Laurie decides she's had enough?
5: Um I again because is our the, home straight. The ways in which uh Randy from Scream is wrong about everything. Mm-hmm. Um the kids not all the kids die. The mm-hmm. kids are all at least insinuated to have engaged in underage drinking during mm-hmm. their little party thing. Mm-hmm. Um we see that all of them are at least sort of insinuated to be sexually active so it's not just the virgin who lives, especially since, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is drinking and is definitely having extramarital sex with, with Professor Man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, just again, Randy's an idiot and wrong about everything. Also, if, be,
0: if, yeah. if Randy's creating these rules um, and they're actually bullshit rules, then that means Caravan in the Woods is bullshit as well. Don't get me started on that movie. Oh, um, we actually did plan to review it, uh, but I got so fucking depressed by the philosophy of the end of it and people telling me why it was in fact brilliant and why I was just seeing it all wrong that I just decided, right, well you're not getting it then. Sorry guys, it's
2: okay, okay to not like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, no, there was
3: it's like, the they were, like one. Positively, is to see that's how that's how we got Firefly. Well, no, because <laughs>
0: they, they were telling me, oh, you're seeing it all wrong. You see, the elder gods. Oh, the horror movie audience! I get it. It's not that big a fucking deal. It's not difficult to grasp. I get that. <laughs> My difficulty is with the philosophy, anyway, Karen. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> oh, you silly little thing! You're not understanding. You see, uh, uh, anyway. I, I have to comment.
3: I have to comment on age twenty. Mm. Just, and we've said it before, but just. Her, Jamie Lee Curtis's arc is so good, even though it's fairly minimal. It's so well played, and it's really quite subtle. She's mostly, again, she yes, she does seem to be a functioning alcoholic, but emphasis on the functioning part. She has a pres- pretty prestigious job, mm-hmm. and she seems like—I mean, her
2: son is frustrated with her, but I think it comes across pretty strongly that he still very much loves her. Yeah. And also her character is consistent as she appears in the first one. She's responsible. She is trying to, you don't go into that kind of work unless you are interested in protecting and nurturing kids. Yeah. Yeah. Which all follows on from from how she was in the first movie, not so much in the second, but then she was mostly doped up in the second. So there we go. We have that too.
0: Well, that's what she would have done (laughs) if she wasn't so doped up. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And one thing I will say, going to uh,
6: her uh, relationship with her son, she doesn't hide what happened from her son. She's Mm. not lying to her son about who she really is Mm. or what happened. He knows what happened on that Halloween in 78. He recognizes it. And when he steps over the line and says something really kind of mean to her about it, Mm. he knows to step back. Mm. He recognizes how very traumatizing this was. Which speaks well for her as a parent that he would notice that unlike a lot of teenagers who would just yeah. keep going, but also speaks well for him as a kid, and I immediately started liking him when he was when he thought he was being playful and realized he wasn't
5: yeah,
3: yeah they clearly have a good relationship,
5: and they let it's- you sort of discover how much he knows they they don't you know. They're a little bit cute about does he know about Michael Myers or is it just that he knows that this is a trigger for her? You know, they don't, they let you kind of discover it naturally as opposed to exposition dumping you. I'm sorry, go ahead. We were just drinking. We didn't want to, I'm sorry, please go on. No, no, that, yeah,
3: you you did not cut us off.
0: Drink so, any, any time someone just, says exposition dump. <laughs> just take a big old
5: exposition dump on, no, I'm sorry, that's the Rob Zombie version. I'm sorry. Ew.
0: Rob but Zombie's exposition par- dump. Oh. <laughs> actually, he like could be par- like the Crypt Keeper every week. Good evening, boys and ghouls. Welcome to my exposition dump.
6: <laughs> oh. I would not want that. It could be filmed uh. very
2: cheaply in a toilet.
0: Yes. Yeah.
6: But no, to compare it actually to the zombie film, that's important because, let's face it, if Rob Zombie were doing this movie, Laurie would be an abusive, barely functional alcoholic that has this job that we have no idea why. Or she would be a stripper. One of the two. Or oh, both. She either would be a stripper or she would have this job for no given reason. And her son would hate her.
5: And she would definitely probably get raped. Yes. Oh. oh, absolutely. <laughs> Do you know, that's... As,
0: that's this the, has a lot of nuance. That's the fucking depressing thing, actually. You watch Halloween H20... H20 after watching Halloween, like, each is a product of their time. You've got the original 78 one, when, like, you know, in the 70s, everything was all about these brand new, f- you know, the, the, the altered film, uh, from, you know, new filmmakers who were visionaries and finally being given a, a shot by the, by the system. New Hollywood, exactly. And, and then the 80s was all about, let's just rehash that, rehash that, rehash that, just on the sidelines whilst, you know, all the huge sci-fi was coming out and stuff, and Steven Spielberg was going from strength to strength, and there was Aliens and Robocop and Terminator and Predator, and all of those, you know, incredible new franchises were coming out. But like the actual in in the horror scene, it was like Halloween two, three, four, five, six, and Friday Thirteenth, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, and and like When on i 3 4 five it just it just it was straight to video schlock. Mm-hmm. And then in the nineties, it was glossy and scream and like hey, sexy ladies, and, and but at the same time. You know, they were still going for, like, grisly kills, so it still had the tropes of the 80s. And now, if you want to look at at least the horror that Rob Zombie's peddling, it's remakes without a shred of heart or soul and just horrible. Like, someone someone said, could you do us a horror movie? And uh, Rob went, oh, yeah, I could do a horrible movie. No, no, horror, horror, horror. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, I'm gonna go with your first answer, so.
2: (laughs) The exposition dump. I, um, I When I was growing up in the 80s, we lived on um, an estate that was kind of removed from anywhere that you could easily get to without a car, or even mm. with a car, frankly. And um, it had one of those little rows of shops where they kind of have to double up. Mm. So um, the the grocery store where they sold um, fruit and veg over the counter, because it wasn't the kind of place where you could actually go in and take things off the shelf, Um, And that was also the video store. So they had posters of all of these 80s horror movies all over everywhere, which Mm. meant I kind of formed ideas about what these movies might be years before I saw them.
0: So this is The Nightmare on Elm Street 3 or 4, well, these poor Teenagers have to walk across these giant knife blades that Freddy's holding out. That like, like <laughs> the Dream Warriors. No, this is just a visual representation of them being Dream Warriors. They're not actually having to walk across those. Absolutely. It's just artistic rendering.
2: I have I have dream symbols that come straight from Drew Struzan's pen. <laughs> actually, uh,
0: <laughs> the um. In all seriousness, this Rob Zombie thing was just like a side road because that's, again, not what horror is right now. The horror right now is best exemplified by the title The Last Exorcism of Ghost Boom. <laughs> it's like The Last Exorcism of Ghost Boom. And that's basically the film over and over and over again. <laughs> it'll stop at some point or it'll it'll ebb away. And What, what, what do you think is going to be the next thing? Honestly, a serious question. Like let's get ahead of the curve here folks.
5: Well we seem to be cyclical because I mean there were plenty of ghost story haunted house stories in the in the 60s and 70s and then you had the exorcist and then mm. the you know poltergeist kind of made that a, an effects blockbuster and we stopped seeing that as much and I, I don't know
0: because we seem to be sort of, like, are we coming out of the, let's remake the original, like, the, the, the lame remakes of the original, that, like, because the, the, there was a Poltergeist remake, and then there was, the, obviously, the Halloween, and the No I'm on Elm Street, and Shanks Chains of, of mascara,
4: I'm,
0: I'm
6: thinking next we're going to see alien horror, and particularly mm-hmm. alien horror on Earth, because horror movies always reflect the anxieties of society mm. and i think that we're going to see a lot of aliens as metaphor for foreigners coming out of the uh, minds mm. of well, like douchebags yeah uh, i think I we're going really to start seeing like at least a couple of those
2: mccarthyism again yeah yeah that yep. makes
0: sense yep. Yep. Okay,
2: that's that's you think those. they'll be Settling, orange, but it makes
0: sense. <laughs> <laughs> Big. I hope that uh, orange. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, With boys. I have the best information dumps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay, so yeah, can we now get to like the home stretch? And uh, Laurie decides after her boyfriend is killed again. Was he killed the first time round?
2: She this, didn't have a boyfriend the first time. Who around. was that
0: guy then?
5: um he is is kind of unconscious in the car okay but he doesn't explicitly die right yeah
0: okay okay well after her actual serious grown-up boyfriend is killed by michael and her son endangered and uh, a couple of kids under her care get butchered uh you know the, the the police are there they it's uh Oh no! It's not even the police there. At this point, she gets her son to safety, closes the gates, locks herself into the school with Michael, and And an axe, and picks up a fire axe. And this is Chekhov's axe, by the way. She is, you know, she is going to hold on to this thing, lose it, get it back, lose it, get it back, and use it. And the just the sight of her stalking back towards the school, holding the uh, fire axe in her hand like a lioness, going, "Now, fuck this shit! You endanger my son!" It's. That for me is the best moment in the whole Halloween series, and it will never be bettered.
6: I cheered. Oh, I yeah. Che- and there's a reason why um, I remember nothing about the uh, preview, the uh, trailer for this, mm-hmm. except her screaming, Michael, pissed off. <laughs> I remember that distinctly.
5: Yeah.
6: I loved that. Oh, it was so good.
5: Well, it's, it's like seems- they shot the entire movie just for that scene, and it was it- so Yeah. Funny.
3: And and he's at the disadvantage here because while well, yeah, he's I mean, his, his advantages are stealth and surprise. In in the original, I mean, they were in his hometown. In in this one, he's on her turf. This is her school. She's worked there for several years at least. And so she knows this better than he does. Mm, mm. So she she's at the advantage this time, really. Mm-hmm. I almost feel bad for
6: him because he still thinks that he's the one in charge. Yeah. The way that he moves and the way that he acts, he still thinks he's in charge and he's not. When she jump scares him, I loved that part too. Because mm. he does not expect her to come out of the window like that. Mm-hmm. He's looking around for her the way that everybody else looks around for him. Yeah. There's, there's, always a, there's always a Michael Myers paradox because you want to stay far enough away from him that he can't reach you. But you want to stay within eyeshot because the minute that you lose track of him, he's going to come out of nowhere. There is, a, to him.
0: There is a bit where she knocks him uh, uh, off a balcony and then he goes crashing down to a table below. And I just really want her to, to lean over the uh, ruined balcony and stare at him and go, come on, come on, move. I am not moving from this fucking place until you move. Because I know the second I take you out of eyeshot, you're going to have suddenly disappeared. So you are going to fucking move. Uh-huh. And just she event- does kind of do
5: that once he goes through the windshield. She
0: does. But then she, like, she, she goes running down the stairs. Uh, but she, does, she drops the knife and goes down weaponless, slowly and nervously. No. She's on the warpath at that point. She would hold the knife and go, right, fucking, I'm just going to go down there, going to grab a second knife, just going to get Knife Happy on his ass. Um, I'm wondering why LL Cool J stopped
6: her from hitting him again. Like, Even if he is dead, because he kept saying, he's dead, he's dead. Who cares?
2: Stab the corpse. What does it matter? He's not going to feel it anymore. Yeah. I I was watching that. Look, her blood is up. He's dead. We've established this. Just let her do what she needs to do at this point.
0: Zombie
6: rule number 12. She's already almost shot you tonight. You want to get stabbed too?
0: Zombie rule number twelve, the double tap.
6: Yeah. yeah.
0: Also zombie rule number thirty nine, beware of bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> totally applies in this case. Oh yeah. Uh, Michael gets carted away in, in an ambulance because like, we could still save this mass murderer. <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, surely the I doctors he would help us... Basket. the, the doctors I would think st- it's a coroner's van. Yeah, that's it, a coroner's van. The, the, the doctors would uh, uh, surely assist Laurie in, yeah, we got to definitely finish this guy off. I will get the bone sore. We'll just dismember him right now, put him in different body bags.
2: Mail him to six different and, states. Yeah, fuck <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Let Albany deal with this head um anyway, who should was we mail this, this to just this albany the,
2: was it this one where yeah. i was like surely the first thing they do is take the mask off
0: no no, i no, can't take the mask off preserve the mystery that's the most important thing for paramedics so uh, again that's, obviously that's the uh, the, the uh, contingency which the shitty eighth film sort of rests its, it's uh predication on because they're far rather fuck up a really good ending of a film, so that they can have their own shitty film mm. rather than just leave it as it is. Uh, like basically, here's what they Halloween Eight, Halloween Resurrection should have been: just reboot. Fucking Rob Zombie's doing it anyway. Just reboot. Why do you need this, Michael Myers? And you're
2: almost guaranteed yeah. to do a better job than he did. So just reboot. Just
0: just reboot. But you know, it would did have
2: been
6: you a shit. Sh- to make an
0: series. <laughs> um, honestly, yeah. Why the hell wasn't uh, Halloween Eight like? Shall we go back to anthologies? Halloween 8, Season of the Witch 2, but it's not the Season of the Witch you're used to.
2: Season of a different witch. Oh, okay. Also, not the (laughs) Nicolas
0: Cage film Season of the Witch.
2: Just just to jump back briefly, because I meant to mention this when we were talking about Halloween 2 and I forgot. Why? Um, (laughs) It's a tiny, tiny thing, and I doubt very much that there are very many people in the world who were as pissed off by this as I was. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Loomis brings up the term... Sam Hain, as
0: in the pagan
2: name for Halloween. (laughs)
0: It's the pagan name for Halloween.
2: No, no, no. He doesn't even say that. Oh, his pronunciation (laughs) is just appalling. But, but he says it means—is it the Lord of Death?
0: It means the Lord of Death.
2: And I and I just looked at it and went, no, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) It Uh means november at best it's, it's basically it's it's celtic new year it's it's the end it i think no it, it means, means a
0: fiery pumpkin
2: headed god it, it means the end of summer or something like that but the point is it's it's just a word dude it is not associated no, with the things that no, you're trying to paint i've
0: it. done my research <laughs> i looked into those eyes and saw nothing but evil <laughs>
2: So he's about as good at pagan history and as Celtic psychology. history as he is at psychology. So, he uh, got yes, a pagan, pagan history from Falympus. that
6: episode of uh, The Real Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah. Yes, Sam Hain! <laughs> I saw him on The Real Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's my jam. <laughs> Was he just the janitor or something oh, you know, he was just, he was Danny Trejo in the in the original Halloween like he was basically just the guy who looked at Michael Myers and was like, "Oh, hey, how's it going Michael?" And Michael was like, it was like, "Oh, I could see evil in those eyes. Do you want your sandwich now or later <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's another reason that at least season of the witch at least is like oh it's it's more of a holiday oh and we're pronouncing it right now
0: hey! oh yeah
2: yeah points for that
0: anyway so Laurie uh, rather than basically Laurie's like right okay here's what's going to happen. Uh, Paramedic is going to take you away, and then we're going to get a shot of the paramedics driving and going, you know, and suddenly just chatting to each other. And then behind them, out of focus, Michael is going to sit up within his body bag and then kill you. And then, then we're going to get onto another sequel. Fuck that noise! I don't want another sequel. I am getting in this van, and I'm going to kill this motherfucker. And she gets in the van, and she kills this motherfucker. <laughs> She is taking names, and she's only got one name on her naughty list, and it is Michael Myers. <laughs> she waits until he starts moving. She's just like, "Oh yeah, okay, moving are oh, yeah, Well, what fucking deal with this shit?" Like, like smashes him through the front windshield, runs him over, rolls the jeep down the hill, pins him to a tree, and then you get that sort of moment where he's sort of like, sort of like, reaching out his hand to her in this like very sweet moment of um commiseration between her and, and him, you know, as, as siblings. And then she goes, oh, yeah, cut your fucking head off. And then cuts his fucking head off. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Breathes out the end. And that is the end of Halloween. You don't need any more of those. Thank you, Rob Zombie. Thank you, Maker of Halloween Resurrection. And fuck you!
6: Yeah. It's yep. a trilogy of Halloween 1, 2 and H 20. Yep, And it's about Laurie Strode's character arc bingo that's what the, that's what halloween is and that is worth watching mm.
0: mm-hmm. also watch halloween three seasons of the witch because it's fucked up yeah <laughs> but but that's pretty much it has
5: much tom Atkins' glorious mustache
0: mm. Mm.
6: and the yeah, silver shamrock song will get stuck in your head for days
4: halloween. It's almost
1: time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon. and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy
4: Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Halloween, silver Shamrock. Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween, silver Shamrock.
0: Check out the episode of We Hate Movies on Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. It's brilliant. But, uh, but the other thing about Season of the Witch is because it's not following slasher tropes, it's really unpredictable what's going to happen in it. It's one of those horror movies where you have no idea really what's going on and just horrible things happen. And the, Sometimes those can be really refreshing to watch because it's like a nightmare and it, it doesn't have that um, kind of plodding through the formula feeling. You know,
5: going through the motion,
0: walking through yep. the part.
5: That yeah, everything is to, to penetrate my heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't go for the heart; you cut the head off. Yes. Bingo! Try standing yep. up.
0: Always, always.
5: Yeah,
6: and in many ways, I think uh, *Halloween H20* is more of a thriller than a horror movie.
0: Yeah.
6: And the distinction that I draw, and I've been discussing this actually with Debbie for several days now, is that. In a horror movie, the focus is A, on the killer, and B, there is no particular hope for salvation, whereas in a thriller, there is a chance of the... Uh, the, the focus is on our protagonist, and the protagonist has a shot.
0: Yeah. Really, honestly, uh, about halfway through the movie, Laurie and Michael should have met each other in a cafe, just sat down and had a quiet cup of coffee and just a conversation about something other than what they were going. Just to sort of commiserate. And so Laurie's like, right, so what you've been doing with 20 years? Because basically you spent six years as a small child and then, as I understand it, 15 years as a patient in a mental asylum where you apparently learned to drive. And then, what, 20 years (laughs) living rough because it doesn't seem like you'd be able to feed or clothe or look after yourself in any way. That is a mystery, sir. So tell me. Tell yeah. me, Michael. Enlighten me. That, that would have been fun to watch, actually. I, I would have enjoyed that. Yeah. Where are the uh, how they... it should have ended people on that one? And Michael <laughs> should yeah, really have. Just,
5: just do the, the scene from Heat, only it's Laurie and Michael instead yeah. of Bobby De Niro. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I meant, the whole idea of Michael going, you you see me doing liquor store hold ups with a born to lose tattoo on my chest. And
2: <laughs> Actually, yes. Actually, yeah. <laughs> or
0: you know, maybe just Mike maybe actually Michael has I'm a, a now. maybe oh, I was gonna say <laughs> Maybe he's got a family and kids of his own and it's just it just has so happened to fall on the twenty year anniversary, he was like oh, you know what I've got to do now.
2: Yeah, I've, I've had some <laughs> stuff to deal people. with, and my therapist suggested that maybe some reconciliation of some kind with my old family might be a good idea.
0: Gotta be the anniversary, mm. so October thirty first. Big day for me. You and I lo- both know this, Laurie. But like I said, just it should have been a conversation about something else, you know, about their dreams,
2: you know? their nightmares,
0: their nightmares. Just yeah. something, something to the to the side. I mean,
1: all the victims of all the murders I ever worked sitting at this table and they're staring at me with these black eyeballs because they got eight ball hemorrhages on the head wounds and there they are all of them just sitting there they don't have anything to say we just look at each other they look at me and that's it that's the dream
0: obviously that would have been totally out I, mean, I, I am being mostly facetious yeah but like you know maybe when Michael was pinned to the tree at the end just have uh, a Laurie just sort of striding about the place going what is it with you Michael a fucking like what possible closure could you have to gain with stalking and killing me what did I ever do to you Michael except for be born and have Michael go and then hang his head in sorriness <laughs>
6: Yes. They can then discuss the uh, Myers family trait of being impervious to bullets and glass. Yeah, yes. Because well, if, if both of, both of them are, are really good at breaking glass with their palm. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing.
2: It is impressive. They have, they have <laughs> I think it's
6: just, it's just a genetic thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine Michael sort of in them. breaking a window and then like it suddenly the blood starts flowing way too much. it's like, oh, that is a lot. Of, that is a lot of blood. And then yeah. passing, just- waking up in the ambulance. oh <laughs>
2: I expected that to happen because we'd seen <laughs> because we'd seen that so recently when Laurie puts her hand through the um, mm-hmm. the glass door to open the to push the mop out of the way. Mm-hmm. I was like, she's gonna cut herself, but yeah. no, didn't On happen. On a
0: side note, folks, watch the nice guys. Very it's good. really good. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Anywho, um okay Ryan one more.
2: gosling, not just a pretty face. Yeah.
0: Um. One more thing about um The original Halloween, I will say that even though Loomis is a fucking terrible psychologist, that speech that uh, he gives, uh, that Donald Pleasance gives about, you know, I, I could see only evil in those eyes, is done with such seriousness and such class that you're like ah oh, you know he he's completely elevating this slasher movie, which is you know what most other slasher movies just don't have that ele- that air of class, that air of you know theatre trained actor being in there. In the same way that the older Lee Curtis lends that air of class to uh, to H twenty.
5: They're both in the all in. They they're own- not, Brendan, please. Yeah, they're. <laughs> Oh, they're they're both all in. They're not they're not sleepwalking through anything like this. Could have been a paycheck for Curtis. That could have been a paycheck for mm, Pleasance. But mm. no, they're they're into it. They're they're they showed up to work.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. But um, two on the other hand, thing- Pleasance. There's a point where he he stands up and kind of does this, <sighs> and he can almost hear the. Let's go through this shit one more time, shall we? I
0: asked for double my pay, and they still said <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs>
6: Uh, part of uh part of what worked about the original Halloween also is that a lot of stuff happens in the background that is indicative of what's going on in the film like one of the things that I loved is in Lori's room she has a poster of James Enzer, mm. who is an expressionist painter who did people in grotesque masks primarily
4: mm.
6: nice. It's a nice little nod to what's going on, mm. and this was just uh, you could see it in the scene where she looks outside and Michael's standing in the laundry. Mm.
2: I, I, it's it's
6: go on, please, I'm sorry.
2: No no no, you I was interrupting. You carry on.
6: No, you weren't. I was just rambling until <laughs> oh, somebody okay. picked up the, the conversation. <laughs> so please, all yours.
2: Um the uh, the mask thing actually had me kind of going off down a tangent that I ended up not following up on because I've been thinking a lot about um, an interpretation of uh, Phantom of the Opera and I kept trying to apply it to this and I couldn't quite fill it out which got frustrating in the end which is possibly one of the reasons that I was a bit annoyed at it
0: well I thought originally that uh, because I hadn't seen any of these films for a long long time I was like right is it possible we could interpret this as Michael being the shadow of Laurie the the idea that he's her darker side no doesn't that doesn't, doesn't work fit, yeah. not really at all so you know so it, yeah it Rob's just not goes to show tried to give us a terrible explanation oh yeah no fuck that yeah. um it yeah. just it just goes to show though that it hides
6: my ugliness
0: that, fuck you kid that rather than yeah. um like coming along and like forcing psychological interpretations on, on on movies to try and sound clever we really only do it when it totally fits mm. on this or show at
2: least where we can see how it could fit
0: oh yeah and we will freely uh, admit when when we're reaching hard for an interpretation, yeah. and uh, rather than humorlessly going, "Well, this is exactly what they meant," even if they didn't know they meant it. Mm. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> I, yeah. I would say it's more likely that
5: Michael is is when he is used correctly is perhaps the shadow of the audience because that's the role he's playing in the first Halloween. Yeah. But sense. it doesn't work for him to be Laurie's shadow. Once you get to Halloween twenty slash H two O slash wherever the f calling it <laughs> <laughs> Halloween seven, yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, i I like to to mention and not specifically psychologically, but in the original, they make such effective use of shadows visually because there's, I believe it was when um, the sheriff and Dr. Loomis are climbing up the stairs in the Myers house, mm-hmm. and um, Loomis's—I believe it was Loomis's shadow. You can yeah. see it, like climb, almost climbing the stairs ahead of him. Mm. And it was so beautiful and perfectly lit. It just—I was like, wow, that just really got me. And then, of course, the rain gutter bit, which has nothing to do with Michael. The house is just falling apart. Yeah.
1: I met him fifteen years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left, no reason no uh, conscience no understanding and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death of good or evil right or wrong I met this six-year-old child with this blank pale emotionless face and the blackest eyes the devil's eyes I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven, trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? He's been here once tonight. I think he'll come back. I'm going to wait for him. I still think I should notify the radio and television. No. That- if you do that, they'll see him in every street corner. They'll look for him in every house. Just tell your men to keep their mouths shut and their eyes open. I'll check back
0: in an hour. Oh and there's there's two other bits worth uh, worth talking. You've already mentioned one of them which is that the breathing at the end is really unsettling because they they end the movie in a really kind of oh no, he walked away. He's still out there. He may come back. He may not. He may be uh, behind you in the cinema. But like it's 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 very much kind of leaving you purposefully unsettled rather than evil is punished. Which, whereas in the fifties they would just have killed the monster and gone and like and scratched their head with the front the barrel of their gun and gone, 'twas beauty killed the beast.' Um, <laughs> that, that was the thirties, but you know they they had that kind of like you know well the job is done kind of thing they they did in the fifties, but um, they, they didn't do that at all. This it doesn't end in a resolved way. But when Michael has his mask pulled, is he, does he have it pulled off by Laurie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And is revealed to, uh, underneath to just be this 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 l- large guy, just th- Tony th- Moran with with almost gentle face. Mm-hmm. It's very important that that happened because you know otherwise he's this sort of uh, supernatural subhuman monster who apparently then takes six in the chest and gets the fuck back up. But the the fact that he's got that humanity still there underneath the inside out William Shatner mask, which it was by the way. Painted white, um, it's 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 almost more unsettling.
5: Yeah, yeah. There's uh, some controversy in in fandom as to whether he should have had the mask removed or just stayed the shape for the entire film. Hmm. I tend to come down on the side of removing the mask. Both shows that he he's kind of got a Rorschach thing going on, where it seems yes. like yes. this is just communicated through body language. He feels like that's his face, hmm. and you hmm. never have to like come out and say. The mask hides my ugliness i'm bad at making movies i'm rob zombie and that's how he speaks <laughs> and, you also, <laughs> and you also get the the moment where it's like he's almost like good looking in a soft unassuming sort of way and you're like oh god that's even more horrible
0: yeah
5: mm-hmm. john carpenter used
6: to have people come up to him and say how Freaky. They found this guy beneath the mask when the mask was taken off, and he considers it to be an indication of how implication can work on an audience. Yeah. He meant uh, Tony Moran to look like a fairly angelic version of this killer that we saw,
0: and everybody else was seeing him as horrible. And on that bombshell, I think we're going to finish... Yeah, because I think we're we're gonna we're gonna leave it on an unsettled note, and um, uh, yeah, the the, the, <laughs> the end <laughs> result uh, of this would be I think we're fairly unanimously definitely see the original Halloween. Like, pretty much, like you've already seen it. If for some reason you haven't, that's the one to see. Yeah, don't really see two. We you already know the information we've just we've just given you on two. Two is going to cost you money you don't need to spend on and uh, and and but definitely get hold of Halloween H20 because while it is very 90s Jamie Lee Curtis gives a powerful performance as the returning Laurie Strode and it works in excellent accompaniment with the original Halloween if only to show the difference in approach to horror between 78 and 98
5: yep it's probably the best thing that happened because of Scream in terms of the wannabe scream slashers
0: mm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's up there with The Faculty as well is another one for me.
3: Oh, I love that movie. That's Mm. so much fun. Josh Hartnett again.
0: Mm. I haven't seen it, actually.
3: See the original? I was playing the entire time I was watching the original, because I'd never seen it until we watched it for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, Jesus. yeah, Yeah, I was playing Where's Michael? The entire movie, and I'm like, my eyes are scanning the entire, all of the screen. I'm like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where so, is like, he? it follows then. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and also, don't see the Rob Zombie version in case you hadn't no, worked that one out. No, yeah. no. Yeah. Don't,
2: don't. That don't was think it. That's it. pants. You.
0: Don't Rob Zombie's cool. exposition dump. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, where can folks find you?
5: Uh, you can find me on the Day One podcast on either DayOnePatch.com or you can search Day One podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, you can follow me at blc agno on twitter um i also uh, keep forgetting about this but i occasionally contribute to synapse.co that's c-i-n-a-p-s-e.co um i, I occasionally contribute to some of the columns there
0: and uh caru and debbie where can people find your stuff uh, you can find my stuff
6: on comic books deep close readings of them at sequentially-yours.com as well as Debbie and I doing comic book movie reviews that's part of it you can find some of my stuff on YouTube at Infinity Arc, and you can find my written stuff at EclipsePopCulture.com
3: and you can find me on Twitter as bestet 8300 and you can find me on my YouTube channel called Hats Off.
0: Thank you very much. I've I've got to start uh, addressing you guys separately rather than saying, and uh, it would appear to be me saying, Karuru, speak for the two of you. But of course, (laughs) (laughs) two two completely separate things. I just know that you work in collaboration a lot of the time.
2: We do, we do, we
0: do. Uh, Yeah, same here. Okay. Uh, So, anything else, Sharon? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, And uh, as for Halloween's four, five, and six, avoid let the plague. Eight, bubonic. Eight is actually poison. Eight will fuck up Halloween Seven, so it'll give you cholera. Ignore it, yeah. If you watch that and start foaming at the mouth, then that's your deal. That's totally yours. Don't tell. Don't come to me crying. Don't say my, my eyes are now weeping shit, and I'll say was well, because you watched Halloween Resurrection. That's just why. Yeah. Trick or treat, motherfucker. That that's an actual line. That's an actual line from the movie. How sorry the world is that we can go from...
3: What's the boogeyman?
0: As a matter of fact, it was. To... Trick or treat, motherfucker. In the span of a film series. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, this is, that is all from us. And we've got to say, because this is going out just beforehand, Happy Halloween, folks.
6: Happy Halloween.